too. The Open Task Podcast has returned, ladies and gentlemen. And tonight we have a very, very, very special guest. But before we get there, we're gonna uh, we're gonna introduce ourselves. So I'm Calvin Smith. I got Joe Carlos and uh, Joe. How you doing? I'm good, brother. Uh, it's wonderful Excellent. to see you. Thank you very much. I, I'd like to quickly, if I may, uh, today is June 22nd mm -hmm. and uh, 2022. And I'd like to commemorate the fact that 33 years ago tomorrow, the, uh, the film Batman with the one, the true, the, the, the true, the true Batman, uh, Michael Keaton, uh, the film Batman was released on June 23rd, 1989. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A number, another summer. Yeah, sound of sound of the funky drummer. Yes, yeah. uh, was released June of June twenty third, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, and uh, on a Friday, I believe yeah. Friday, June twenty third, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, and I was Honey, I the kids. You saw Honey I Shrunk the Kids. I went to. I snuck out of the nineteen eighty nine Jack and Jill South Central Region Teen Conference. We were in Austin. Next door to us was a shopping center and a movie theater. I had already scoped it on Thursday mm -hmm. when we arrived. Mm -hmm. I had a small group of people. We were not going to go to the party. It wasn't until 9. Mm -hmm. We left for the 7.15 show, had uh -huh. dinner, went to the 7.15, ran out. I turned around to see if made sure everybody had their money. Mm -hmm. By the time I turned back, sold out. Yep. And uh, I was crushed. Yeah. Yeah. And walked, defeated back to the uh, the hotel. So I missed a week of the discussion uh -huh. among my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, and I did not go then until uh, July 1st. Because I went on a Saturday, the next Saturday. So it's June 30th. So I went on July 1st. I remember that vividly. And then went to church July mm -hmm. 2nd. And that was when I could finally talk about it. Because I, I couldn't talk about it for a week. So I just want to give a shout out to Batman and yeah. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Michael Keaton, my Batman, and my Joker, Jack Nicholson. I just wanted to give that, do that for you. And the glorious summer of 89, one of the greatest summers ever for film. Yeah. Um, so I just want to start there. Sorry. Indeed. Indeed. Not, actually, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I just want Be to start there. Best laid plans. Uh, I, I hear you. Man. Like I said, we, 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 we also went to go see Batman and uh, ended up seeing Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And, and you know. Which is a win. It's a win. Sure. Sure. I was ready to see Batman. But. And, and but you thing, saw you saw Batman. You saw Batman. I did eventually see Batman one week later. That was the longest week to your point. Brother, week of my life. Yeah. brother, <laughs> these, these things were not promised. These things were not because I had a promise, we had a curfew. We had to be back in that hotel. We had a curfew. Yeah, it was a brittle piece that I got out of you there. You were living dangerously, man. You were living dangerously. very, very, yeah, very. All 14. right, ladies and gentlemen, I, I I can't I can't wait any any further. I got to introduce our our very 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 special guest. So anytime Please. we are. Grace with the presence of one of our Spellman sisters. Mm. I, I, you know, I mean, standards I, and honor race. Yeah, man, standards. Hey, come on, man. Like, Our hearts to thine. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> that name we praise. Look, hey, tonight we have uh, with us one of our a friend of the show. Friend of the show. Uh, Love saying that. One of the greatest Instagram handles in the history of Instagram handles. Perfectly curated. No <laughs> surprise. Perfectly curated life. She is she's a phenomenal person. Um, uh, I could go on and on, but uh, keep going, to... keep going, keep going. <laughs> she she would mind. Calvin, she she would mind. Incorporated. Hey. Uh, yeah, man. There she is. Uh, she's 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 one of the coolest people. Uh, like her presence when she when we were in school, outside mm -hmm. of school, uh, to this day, just just one of the coolest people I know. 
Uh, so happy to have her on, Miss Heather Joyce Thompson. Thank you for having us tonight. Welcome to the show. Good Welcome evening. To the show, Thank Welcome you for having me, gentlemen. Oh, man. It's a pleasure, pleasure to be in your company. Yeah, our, <laughs> pleasure. our pleasure. Our pleasure. Our uh, pleasure. And, and tonight, so what happened was, <laughs> this is how all great Black stories start. What yes. happened was. What yes. happened was. <laughs> yeah, let me know. Heather, Heather, like she, I mean, you know, she's a faithful listener to the show. And she she, uh, she hit me up on, on Instagram and she's like, uh, when can I come on the show? And I said, what movies do you like? And she says, uh, she lists, you list maybe two or three movies, but mm-hmm. LA Confidential came up and it was on our list anyway. We were like, this is perfect. We it is. It, we, we've been supposed to do LA Confidential, we've been to do LA Confidential for, for a months. while now. For, for months. months. Yes. And so I was like, this is a match made in heaven. This is perfect. Uh, so she's joining us tonight to talk about LA Confidential. Usually we don't reveal the, the movie as it were. I mean, you can probably guess from our backgrounds and all those kind of things. But uh, I, I, before we jump into the movie, I want to ask you uh, and, and kind of create a dialogue between the three of us and not to derail too much into the realm of music because we all, all three of us can talk about music forever, right? But right now on Instagram, uh, I look forward to the month of June. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in large part because of uh, Music Sermon, uh, who we all follow, uh, yes, creating, creating a, uh, a, a, a playlist, as it were, for each day in terms of uh, like a theme for the song of the day or whatever. Um, and like, I mean, I think this year in particular, I don't know what it is, man, but people have been showing up and showing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, spread. Uh, what's been your favorite day so far of that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a this is a little bit of a tricky question for me, right? Um, uh-huh. Because some of the prompts are uh-huh. hilarious, yes, but some of them can't be answered quite as honestly online as they could if we were having this conversation at say a house party, right? Because it's right. you know we we have our day jobs to protect, right? But today's question i think was like what song do you would you send to your haters or your naysayers or something <laughs> yes. right and right. you know i don't as, as a concept i don't really believe in haters i don't think people are normally thinking about you all that much or not me or anyone else all that sure. much to have like for a hatred sure. but i do see people who seem to have a misunderstanding um of their role <laughs> mm-hmm. and there's always, always like <laughs> a I Jay-Z like song for that you know yeah, yeah and yeah. so my my first choice was imaginary players today yeah mm. that's yeah. actually that's actually mm. a very dope choice yes mm. yeah, see it's, that's exactly, i like that i like that i chose two biggie songs i, I went a like kind of a more positive route kind of <laughs> so i was like you know juicy like you know mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah which literally starts that way yeah yeah, it literally starts. It's all a dream, you know what I mean? And it's about no, 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 his monologue before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. For all the, oh, yeah. No, like, y'all didn't even want his baby to eat. Exactly. And then I, I chose Sky's the Limit also, just because, like, mm. you know, I mean, again, I'm trying to, like, you know, elevate above my so called haters. I don't, you know, I, I'm kind of in the same, I don't really, I don't believe in the concept of haters necessarily, but there are people that definitely don't want to see you succeed, you know what I mean? And I think both of those songs are kind of like a you know thumbing your nose at, at like I, I make I'm making it I made it you know what I mean kind of deal so that's that's the kind of route I went. What about you, Joe? Uh, it's hate me now, uh, yeah. Nas and 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 we were all in school when that song dropped. It was hot as fish grease. I what I vividly recall about that song, and this is why I'm I'm landing this plane really quickly. Okay. In 1999, um, 
I was at a probate show for the Spring 99 line of the Alpha Rho chapter Alpha Alpha Fraternity mm -hmm. Incorporated. Mm -hmm. And the, there was vitriol, uh, some vitriol about their presence. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, the line hadn't done anything. Because so, they'd been off campus for 10 years before that fall line, right? Right, right. So there was, what, there was just some kind of uneasiness. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, since, since December, when the fall '98 line had dropped, and then April, when the spring '99 line was unveiled, there'd been some uneasiness. And mm -hmm. apparently, the 25 gentlemen online were aware of that. And so, the last when so when they left, uh, when the the finale song of the show was "Hate Me Now," and it was and it was perfect because it was the hottest song of the time, mm -hmm. and basically, like I'm not stopping. You can hate me, but I, I, I but still, like, but I'm not gonna stop, right? So, yeah. and I remember the looks on their faces, like, okay, all right, I appreciate that. So then, flash to several years later, when uh, I was, I said, whatever, when I'm finally on the graduation list at Morehouse, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this song. I'm gonna ride through campus slowly, and I. 6.38 p.m. on May, whatever date that was, 11th, uh, 12th, <laughs> 2004. I, I, I get in my car, I roll the windows down, roll the sunroof back, and I ride through campus backwards, Corey Richardson style, and I play, <laughs> and I play the song, and I felt like a jerk. Like, they, nobody was hating you. You were the one not going, you were the, dude, you were the one not going to class. <laughs> so, right? so might have like, just a little bit. Just, yeah, but, 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 I mean, you didn't. You were. I wasn't walking because anyone was hating on me. I, sure, sure, I, you, sure, you know sure. what I'm saying. So, so, sure. so, sure. It, it, so that song. It, it kind of makes me think on both of those. But just like you all were both saying, um, uh, whatever, whatever it is, whatever the the feelings that one has, they don't understand their place, or or if you're trying to rise above, I think we can all find those songs that we yeah. resonate with, even if it's one line. It just knocks you dead in your tracks. Like, yeah, that's how I feel right now. Yes, that's what I need. Yeah. You know, I I feel that. I think my favorite day was probably the blackest song. Yes, I was about and, to ask you, I already knew that. Yes. <laughs> and, I had and, about and 10 injuries that day. I'm like, there were so many songs. There was, yeah, how black can we go, you know, with this, with, you know, yeah. with this song? Yeah. Um, and I, Fight the Power was used a lot. Yeah. But I think I think if you say Fight the Power, you've got to get the line. I think, I think it, and so this is something George Peters says about me. He said, my, the song is important on my IG stories, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm literally getting the lyric. Like I want the lyric. Yeah, I'm, I'm queuing mm -hmm. it up to the, to mm -hmm. the ex exact mm -hmm. lyric. Yeah. Some people just play a song. Oh, okay. No, no. So for me, I think my number one blackest song is is, and I love this song. And I play it a lot. Is Soul Holidays. Yeah. Because we have a Christmas, a karaoke soul Christmas party, soul yes, karaoke is. Christmas party, and and one of the songs, one of the staples of, of the event is Soul Holidays. Like we get up, like three or four guys, we come singing. Yeah. And it wasn't until this past year that I realized the soul holidays, according to, according to this, are you know Christmas, Thanksgiving, and MLK. But they're singing it, and it didn't ever hit me. And it never hit me when he, somebody says something. He says, "Thank you for the dream." I don't know if he says "Thank you for the tree" or "Thank you for the dream." I don't know what he's <laughs> <Both>. saying. <laughs> yes, the answer to that is but yes. It's so black. It's so black. It's so black. The video is so. Chicago, like '91, uh, mm -hmm. in all on, in Chatham on the best, and I, and I, I I'm in Chicago the, right now on the South Side, so you like with the, you're all the to love, me. <laughs> with all the love and respect that I have for all my cousins from Chatham in Chatham right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I remember a trip there around that time, and I'm like, this, I'm at home. 
So when I watch that video, please do that. When, when you get a chance in your quiet time, watch that video. But to me, that's there's nothing blacker than that, other than like James Brown and a couple other things. But but um, it's very black. Yeah, and maybe really, and know, really stroking, stroking Clarence Carter. That's pretty. That's, black. that's a specific kind of black. That's like a, a barbecue, like or a you know, like a family gathering, you know, and and somebody might be a little too far, and and that starts playing. And I'll go. Yeah. It, well, well it, even the idea of making the song, like the audacity of making <laughs> such a track, right, is, is very black. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he gets and, to the point. He gets to the point and he stops. He has work. I mean, he has far raunchier songs, too, Heather. That's, <laughs> that's the, I mean, and I remember I bought that on cassette single and the <laughs> cassette single. And the B side of that was a song called Love Me With a Feeling, which is probably the the most nasty is the nastiest song I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Uh, Love me with a feel. Other than there was a chant that I recently heard. Uh, there's a chant I recently heard from the '60s at Morehouse, uh, which is probably one of the more crazy things I've ever heard in my life. We probably share that with you. Yeah, called yeah. Nelly. Yeah. The song is yeah. called Nelly, and we have to share that with you some other time. But yeah. but still, <laughs> it's, it's, but still it's out there. <laughs> it is crazy. But still, yeah. the point being, like, you made this song. This this. So what, what was it, what was you all's blackest songs? I'm sorry. So, okay, I, I was really undisciplined. I thought at the time I was being very undisciplined because I was just like coming up with, with all these different responses to this question prompt. But when I thought about it more carefully, I was like, for me, there was Black in terms of the actual sound, which w- was a lot of like okay. horn sounds. Okay. So okay. the okay. earth, like wind, that. and fire sound was yeah. very, like we made that, you know? Yeah. But mm-hmm. then also Turner Frey. So I had Who's Zoom and Who on there by Aretha Franklin. Ooh, see, um, that's, that's it. But then Ooh, also to, to, <laughs> to your point, Joe, just about oh, the experience of, uh, so Detroit, like, bump <laughs> 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 you. Um, respect, respect, but then respect. just like, the overall experience of how we have gone through life as Black people, some of those holidays. So like, there's no holiday for me that is full until I hear my Anita Baker and Luther Vandross songs, right? right? Even though they might not be the most soulful songs ever, like they are just so specific to my experience as a Black person in a Black city that, yeah. you know, that kind of rounded it out for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand. Absolutely. So what about you, Gilla? You know, I've been kind of complaining about this. I don't know what I did to Instagram to mess my my algorithm up where I can't pull up the music that I want to pull up when it's time to make my story. Oh, did you did you did you did you I didn't make I didn't make my account a business account. That's usually what happens. Yeah, because that's what happened to us at Morehouse. And I'm quite upset about that currently. So we can't we can't use any of the music I want to use on our stories. Like it's all this weird fake. Make it fake may, music right now. It yeah. may be that, and I, I'll have to go back into my settings or whatever and, and try to try to yeah change. turn it off for business. Turn it off for business because I wanted to use "Say It Loud." I'm black and I'm proud, James Brown. I mean, that's yeah, like, but you can't find that on the on, yeah. That's not gonna be on there. No, no. Nah. So I ended up uh, using "To Be Young, Gifted, and Black" by Donny Hathaway. Okay, uh, you know, and I mean, I mean, that's not that's not a bad second choice. No, uh, I, I I certainly like both of yours. So I knew you were going uh, so holiday, Joe. I. I, I use it all the time. I mean, <laughs> yeah. anytime I mean, it's black and happy, I, it's, yeah. so, it's a soul holiday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I use uh, it all the time. Yeah. I was trying to find uh, uh, Be Real Black for me as well. Couldn't find that. <laughs> Straight um, out of yeah. black. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, the Mau Mau song, that Mau Mau song from and, uh, and also the Bamboozle. Yeah. yeah, that would have been, <laughs> yeah. been, been pretty black. Yeah. Pretty black yeah. Actually. yeah, 
I, I actually, you know, my favorite verse in there is uh my man MC Search's verse. Uh, yeah, at, it was at, amazing. Uh, hey, his, he, flat. he got off. <laughs> he did. He did. Search he did. got off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Joe, you were talking about Clarence Carter, and uh, my my mom grew up in Alabama, mm-hmm. right outside of Selma, and mm-hmm. my grandmother uh, died last year, and we you know it was we knew she was going, and we'd all gone down there to kind of see about her in her last days, mm-hmm. and there's only one radio station that served the entire area, so sure. the radio station has to meet a lot of different needs. I didn't know this before I got there, so on a Sunday morning, I'm up. Like the gospel music is on the on the radio. This makes sense. Course, my my course. my cousin is a mortician. He has ads running on on the gospel music station. Gotta At twelve it. on the dot, it changes to blues. Mm-hmm. Okay, but like okay. raunchy that's, blues. That's subtle. Oh, like Marvin C. So to go from like Jesus is Lord <laughs> to like <laughs> girl, turn it over. I was like, wait yeah. a minute now. So the, the down home blues. <laughs> down home blues. You see here. So it's interesting you say that because in Atlanta it it switches on on V103 it switches like at 12 but it's usually they they it's usually something smooth they they yeah, they, 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 they trans <laughs> the transition is I, I it's Anita or yeah. Lita or <laughs> Whitney or so, something smooth yeah uh that lets you but but it does not go to blues now it's interesting because in Dallas, <laughs> yeah we have a blues station in dallas and I, I haven't been there on a sunday in so long that uh i i would love to check to see if they do the same thing because i know they go from from gospel to to blue i know they do it from gospel to blues yeah um on on sunday but i'm curious about what that blues started like what what leads off yeah you know <laughs> so it, in atlanta so, in atlanta it was clk CLK yeah, okay. would have yeah. Young Blood, and then after Young Blood show, it would be uh, the 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 blues show, like like that instantaneously. Right after you heard Thunder Thumbs and Lightning Licks by uh, the Brothers Johnson, boom, <laughs> it was going straight into that down home blues. Um, My parents and Andre love that Young Blood. Oh yeah, they oh, yeah, love, and they're so happy he's back on the air. <laughs> That's the thing to clean every Saturday morning at my dad's house, cleaning up the bathroom, listening to. Young is that Blood. the guy? Is that the guy that kind of sounds like he has peanut butter in his mouth? Like, is that Young Blood? No, that's it's a jazz show. No, it's, it's a jazz, jazz show on yeah. on on CLK. Yeah. Um, I, I'm thinking of somebody else. Now, Young Blood is, is real poetic with his words. You know, he's like, uh, you know, back it up, oh, with, uh, triple measure, and uh, plum pleasing pleasure, and all this kind of. Thing. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. That. I don't know that gentleman. I don't know that gentleman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my favorite day was day 13. First song you remember dedicating to someone or someone dedicating to you. Uh, and, and, and I've told this story several, several times, but I'm gonna tell it again. Uh, mint conditions, you send me swinging. I, I, I so I had a long-standing <laughs> crush slash. I mean, my little after-school deal with this this chick. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, she she her name was Kelly. She ended up going to uh, Kelly McNair, nice. McNair Middle School, and then she ended up going Middle to Tri Cities High School. And, uh, the Bulldogs. So Westlake was playing Tri Cities for the first time in the basketball season. You Send Me Swinging was the number one song on, on V103 at the time. <laughs> I called up to uh, Joyce Latell, Jerry Smoking B, whoever it was that was hosting the show. I was like, yo, you know what? He said, Joyce Latell. Took it all the right. way back. Atlanta. Atlanta. <laughs> I want to I dedicate this to, uh, to, to Kelly at Tri Cities, blah, 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 blah. Uh, went to the basketball game, saw her across the hall. Like started. Was it at Tri Cities? No, it was at Westlake. It was at Westlake. Okay, okay, okay. At Westlake. Saw her across the way. You know what I mean? Like she's, you know, she's smiling, like looking at me, and I completely froze. I went the other way, left the game. Aww. 
it happens. I, I might I might have cried in the homie Rashard's dance car. Like you know, I uh, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Rashard was trying to hype me up. Like she's still out there. <laughs> hey, bro. Yeah. But hey, bro. We'll always have you see me singing. And she, it she's <laughs> going on to have a, a wonderful life of her own. I'm, going I'm sure on she has. A wonderful life of my own. You know, but I'm sure she has. Okay. Who knows? Who knows? I'm sure she has. I was gonna say my freshman year at Howard, we were in the the Punch Out, which is kind of like Kilgore Snacker or Lower Manly. Uh, or the pit, the pit, and we were uh, we were sitting under the we were sitting in the booth, and these three girls walk up to walk up to to us, to me and my friend Savoy. I can't even get this out. To me and my friend Savoy, and I'm not gonna mention the names. They are high powered, big time. Two of them are on the board of trustees of Howard right now, but someone spoke. I'm not gonna say someone spoke, and and they played downtown. Oh, it's 93. They played downtown okay. SWV. <laughs> I'm from Dallas, Texas. I'm Joe Car- Joe from Dallas. I'm from That's Dallas, a strong Texas. Message, man. I, look, I, I don't know what that song meant. I'm, I don't know what that song meant. <laughs> I, and I have no, I have no, and I know Reese is going to clown me. Antoine's going to clown. I don't care. I had no idea what that song was about, right? I usually skipped on the tape. I usually skipped past it because I was like, what is this about? It's too slow, right? So give me t- give me the week. I like week. It's, it's real slow. So <laughs> it, it is. So these girls, they press in the jukebox. They press it in the jukebox, 50 cents for two plays. And they walk up to my boy, Savoy, and say, uh, I just wanted to know, uh, I played this song for you. My friend wanted to know. No, my friend played this song for you. She don't know if you want to go downtown. And he goes, oh, yeah, sure. And I'm, and I'm thinking like. Is he thinking boy. like K Street? <laughs> I thought, I thought they were going to like. That's what Joe was thinking. I thought they were going to Chinatown. Something like I thought they were going to Chinatown. Something like something south of Georgia Avenue. You know what I'm saying? Georgia Avenue right. Street, and Gresham, right? But he lived in Meridian. He lived in Meridian, which was co-ed. You know, I lived in Drew, which was all. I lived on campus in Drew. He lived in Meridian, a little off campus, mm-hmm. and they lived in. They girls lived over there with him. Uh, you know, they they all lived in. It was a co-ed dorm, and so I did not. I, I did not know what in the world it meant. About a month later, I visited him in the dorm. I visited him in the dorm. I said, hey, man. And the girl was walking out of the room. I said, man, what in the shot? What was she talking about? What is, what is that? What is it? Bro, what is she talking about? So he explained it to me. And I was like, what? As <laughs> your eyeballs stop. fall out of your head. <laughs> yeah. Jaw on the Fully. floor. I did not. I, oh. I, I was like, well, that's what and they said it to me. To us in the in the cookout, in, in, the, in the in the punch out. What in the world? <laughs> I was floored. So that was to me the greatest dedication of a song ever. Um, was when she played downtown for my boy Savoy, uh, and now a member of the Howard University Board of Trustees. But um, but nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> Heather, what did what did you choose that day? That was the only one I haven't done because our radio dedications were like back in the 80s. It would be like me and my brother calling to 95.5 constantly to try and get in to make some nonsensical requests, right? So it wasn't like specific to a love of my life or anything romantic. It was just us trying to see if we could get on the air. Got you, got you. Has, has a guy ever dedicated a song to you, to your knowledge? It was Yes, it was actually a mint condition song, so it was Pretty Brown Eyes. Oh, yep. oh well, that's very fitting. That's kind of undefeated. That's yes. undefeated. That's yes. on there. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, thank totally you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an undefeated, yeah, that's an undefeated yeah. jam yeah. there. For sure, for sure. Pretty for Brown sure. Eyes. For sure. Love it. All Love right, it. so guys, if y'all are, 
if you're listening, you not into music sermon, uh, get into it. It's not too late. You can you can just blitz every day, and and you know, do what you want. And in like, the stories, you can yeah. see what other people are putting up, yeah, which right. is, I mean, how we all take these questions and go in different directions is pretty fascinating oh, yeah. to see. Yeah, and she's yeah. clowning. Like some of those days, like I think the day where they were talking about uh, the uh, the song you hate. Or the problematic song, she was oh, yeah. she was getting on people. <laughs> so it's it's really it's really kind of great. Uh, it's 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 my my highlight of my days in June, uh, in July. I don't know what I'm gonna do uh, because it goes away. But I, I have to say this before we close out on on the on the Black History on the Black Music Month, mm-hmm. the problematic song, yeah, or in our case, mm. the problematic decade and a half <laughs> during which we became adults. <laughs> like, mm. Yeah, I was like. Hmm. I think of all the songs that I know word for word, bar for bar mm-hmm. that are just on their face without any further exploration, exploration of like themes and words, just, just terrible. <laughs> it ain't no fun. Like this is a horrible song that I love. Howard <laughs> University, 93. Howard University, 93. Every word. Me and Ace November, I in high school, bonded over For that shame, song. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, sure. We did a video. We did a video on a camcorder. Yeah. Um, and no good in the heck well like wasn't nobody doing anything yeah. maybe two guys were two guys were probably three maybe uh, in, in that corner of the dorm we're doing something resembling any of that uh, so so and we're just singing it to the top of our lungs it's top like, of our lungs like yeah. the toxicity summer of though. 93 in Detroit I think it was, that's when Gin and Juice came out right 93 yeah, yeah 93 well technically it's a 93 song yeah. okay yes, it's a 93 so song. that was like the first summer I had a license Oh, Jenny, and, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's doggy and there yeah. wasn't anything to do for kids to really do in Detroit except for cruise on Seven Mile or on Belle Isle. So that song was the ambient music of the entire city for that summer, that whole, you wow. know, that whole album. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know why, as a junior from the suburbs, <laughs> mama and daddy at home, I would be sitting there rapping. Like I really had a full understanding of what life was like in South Central, but I sure was. Yeah. And well, like the Menace soundtrack, um, the Boys oh, yeah. in the Hood soundtrack, the above the rim, all of them, word yeah. to word. And I'm like, yeah. those are, I got to do those, better. Those are, but those are, but those are landmark. If you think about it, like quietly, not quietly, those are landmark soundtrack. You you just rattled off four outstanding, outstanding. No soundtracks though. Those yeah. there's there's uh, there's a little couple skips, but 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 a couple skips on 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 minutes and a few on boys in the hood. But personally, but I'm just saying like those the, those films were were huge. Yeah. But they were also uh, coupled with or complemented by these very well curated uh, <laughs> soundtracks, which which captured the moment and and the beauty of that whole thing was it painted a picture for us. Yeah. So whether you saw the movie or not, you kind of had a look and feel of the, you know, of the of the film. And I, to your point, the Menace to Society soundtrack. Um, I remember the blue. I remember the tape. I remember the blue, blue on blue with the that, Roman numeral. Yeah, with the Roman numeral. And I remember yeah. that summer because I graduated summer '93, yeah. and I remember riding a yeah yeah cheer. I remember riding around, and then and then riding around Dallas, North Dallas. Uh, to, to, right. To, to, to MC8, yeah. like I was really just spitting yeah, bars. Yeah, MC8, and then, <laughs> and then I got to Howard, yeah. and these boys were from LA, and they're like, "Nah, it ain't like that." Then I realized, like, well, you're from LA, you Baldwin Hills, <laughs> but you're not from that LA, right? right, right because right. the guys from that LA weren't even talking about it. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was a really, it was really interesting. It was just really interesting dichotomy. But, but yeah. to your point, we all learned. I mean, we all learned that stuff. I mean, to me, my favorite was uh, "Murder Was a Case" on Doggy Style. Mm-hmm. I could, I could, I could. Sp- that was my favorite yeah. song before they made the out al- before they made the movie. Yeah. And all that. I just loved the song. Yeah. Because uh, I thought Snoop's flow was immaculate on yeah. on that on that song, yeah. and the way he was just telling the story, I was like, he is really into his own right now. And yeah. then they then they made it a bigger thing than it did it to me. Yeah. And it, you know, but congratulations, you know, yeah. but that was my track. And I would, I could spit that one oh, yeah. bar for bar. Probably hey still dad, can. My boo-boo about to have my baby. Have my baby. <laughs> right. I don't know anything about that. The two braids <laughs> in my head. <laughs> there, <as> I <laughs> and I recently read something that had, uh, I think it was in the LA Times, but a, a long form piece on Quick. Mm. Yes. And yeah, all of his business ventures and stuff. But I'm like, yeah. how do y'all write about Quick and not write about his, about his hair? Like, how right. is that not the lead? Yeah. I knew somebody else was writing it. Like that wasn't yeah, right, up here right. writing it, right? Like, yes, 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 yes. DJ Quick, you stay in power. Full story. Listen to the Quest Love Supreme episode, Quick. It is amazing. Oh, Quest okay, Love, I will. Yeah, Quest Love, I mean, they go there. They they talk about the hair and all of it and and, and the beef. You name it, they get us. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Dude, so we can we can talk about music forever, like we said. But we're gonna we're gonna that- jump into. You, what you just said reminded me of, sorry, of Die Hard. Is that I can talk men's fashions wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and whatever. I can't remember the other thing for you, but I'm sorry. Get to it. Get to it. Sorry. You need the codes. It's all good. Hey, look. So I was I was staying with him. I was staying with him, Die Hard. But I had a, I had a regret from the last episode. Get oh yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let's. I apologize. I apologize. Right. Um, I just want to say this. One thing I forgot. So last last episode we did Tombstone. I listened mm-hmm. to that episode twice now. Uh, last episode. episode I, I couldn't agree more. Last episode we did Tombstone, and my regret was I did not mention the history of how Maddie and Wyatt met. The fact that they were common law uh-huh. and never never married, yeah. and they and there's a joke in the in the in the script about it said where do you think he uh, I think Morgan no Virgil asks uh, Morgan where do you think Wyatt met her, and he said probably the same place we got ours, and the the idea was. That Wyatt, in addition to being the sheriff in Dodge City, was also kind of the the, the bouncer at a brothel, and that's mm. where he met Maddie, who ran the brothel and worked mm. in the brothel. That's and right. and so then later in the film, yeah, you know, Doc asks him uh-huh. in that amazing Val Kilmer way, asks him like, "Are you are you truly you know that that?" So the whole point about him being an oak is like, "Are you truly a married virtuous man?" And so you know, I, we weren't angels when we met. He, he just, he just, they lightly touch on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which goes back to the humanity of who you know who the individual was. Yeah. But yeah. but they really didn't go. I mean, they kind of allude to where they possibly met him, but they didn't really do it. But they were never married, supposedly. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there wasn't really much. For I don't think common law even existed in in 1881, right? Yeah. 79. And do you know there was literally they supposedly landed or arrived in Tombstone in 1879, Calvin. And the story took place in 1881. So, I'm just going to mess with your mind. About two years yeah. had passed. They were there That's, for two years that, before that, the, before the, the court definitely doesn't. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't do any of that. But uh, yeah. apparently, they, they arrived in 1879, okay. and then and then the story is 1881 in a very short period of time in 1881. No. But uh, but the story now the truth is it's 1879 to 1881. But yeah. but uh, I just wanted to say that I was a regret for not mentioning that before um but it had something to do with the dynamics of their relationship Absolutely. and and many of the problems that they already had they yeah. existed 
prior to them getting the tombstone. So sure. um, for any number of reasons. Uh, so so can, we put wanted- in, can we earmark that that theme for this conversation too about what kind of person can go from being a lady of a certain profession to being a housewife? Because that's one of the things that stuck out for me watching LA Confidential this Absolutely. time around. So. Absolutely. That's, Got that's it. A, that is a very, I love very good common thread. I love uh, it. So in that vein, 1997 uh, premiered, premiered at Cannes Film Festival in uh, look, May 14th. Look at him go of 1997 uh was released in the united states as a broad release in september september 19th of 1997 based mm. on the third book in the la quartet uh series of novels by james elroy uh and a wonderful screenplay wonderful direction by curtis hansen the late curtis hansen uh director also of uh, eight mile uh and uh his best film uh la confidential a, a neo-noir crime film is how it's described. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, fits that bill to a T. 1997, uh, we, we've talked about 97 quite a bit. That's when Joe and I met. Uh, Heather, you were uh, in the AUC at that time. Mm-hmm. Was, this, was this film in your radar? Did you see it in the theater or what was your, what was your journey to this film? Like? I feel like I saw it when it first came out. Um, so as just a bit of, Brief background. I'm from a movie going family. Uh, my father was on the hook for our child care on Saturday so that my mom could like go do self care. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad is a huge movie, right? So it was like me and my two brothers, and he used to take us to see whatever he was going to see, right? Okay. So um, my dad's a New Yorker. His sense of like what is appropriate for children tends to break down to just two categories. Like if there's no explicit sex and there's no explicit violence, then it's fine for kids. So like when I was five, I saw Cujo, and looking back, I'm like, mm, yeah, Lord I don't know that yeah. <laughs> thematically that was necessarily oh, appropriate for a for a five year old, but okay. Yeah, but I were, just the, the, the protagonist <laughs> age, you know. <laughs> for years behind Cujo still don't really like dogs that much but um I've just always been in the habit of going to see all kinds of movies so that movie I saw in real time when it first came out in a theater okay nice 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 and 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 uh was it something that you would look forward to or like had you heard about it or like was it something that like you went to the theater and you it wasn't there yeah, no, it wasn't on a lot of hype. I think at that point in time, I because I was going to the movies so frequently, I just kind of saw what was out, okay. you know? And it wasn't until after I saw it that it really stuck with me. I, I didn't have a lot of anticipation built up about going to see it. I wasn't really familiar with any of the actors except for Kim Basinger. Um, and I didn't know any of the directors or any of that, but it looks kind of cool. And I was like, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. What about you, Joe? What was your journey to this film? Uh, cassette cassette tape um my um i i was a an avid uh gq subscriber at the time and the these guys they had a spread in gq uh, about the young the young stars of of la confidential mm-hmm. and i specifically remember it was uh crow and guy pierce and maybe maybe spacey was in it too i don't really recall Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember him, I think from the ref at that point, I, I, I think, uh, but, but I think look back and see the year of the ref, uh, the year of that film, but, but definitely I remember, I remember, um, you know, like I said, Pierce, Pearson Crow in it okay. and GQ back then used to write, used to do a lot of, um, adaptations of, uh, James Elroy, uh, or, or excerpts from James Elroy books. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's like they had a great relationship with James Elroy. So um, and his source material was used for this film. So it was kind of like a, I don't know, like a, I mean, it, it was a legit spread, but it was like it was yeah. part of their, it was part of their, uh, you know, their marketing for the film. Yeah. And so I, it, you know, at the time, I think it's, it's funny, you say the date, September 19th, my birthday is the 22nd. And I know I went to see Hoodlum in September of 97 at, at, uh, at, at, at the, um, at CNN Center. CNN Center. I specifically, CNN, I, there, there was like a, a little Italian, yeah, the CNN Center 6 was an Italian restaurant in there. I went to there and then I went to go see Hoodlum. And I don't, I know I didn't see this until the summer of 98 on tape. Okay. Uh, at, uh, you know, Blockbuster or, or Kroger. Or what, it was one of those uh, that, I, that I rented it from. Yeah, Kroger or Blockbuster uh, that, I, that I rented it from. And yeah. I was blown away by it. Um, but I did not, I remember reading a lot about it because it was a heavy Oscar contender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, and I'd seen Titanic and my girlfriend at the time was so... Good Lord, into Titanic. And um, when I was more into um, As Good As It Gets. And so, but the one that I hadn't seen, so I was was rooting for As Good As It Gets. I hadn't seen LA Confidential, but everything I kept reading was that LA Confidential was literally the best film of the year. But I I hadn't seen it and I didn't really have an interest in it given the subject matter. I just, I guess, I I think I was in a super blackity black phase and yeah. and i just wasn't gonna go see that at the time mm-hmm. uh, unless it was like woody you know it was like woody but but it wasn't woody allen so 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 um so i i know i watched it on cassette though that summer and then i was like i felt so stupid for not seeing this in the theater because the first and I, my brother was a freshman at brown and he went to go see it of course mm-hmm. he went to go see it and he called me he's like man did you see it like confidential like no he's like okay look this this started a string of movies that my brother would tell me to go see, and then he was absolutely right, like because he knew I would love it. So God bless I, I, God bless him. So instantly, just the beginning of the film, I was like, "Oh gosh, this is like this is my thing," yeah. and and I felt stupid for not having gone uh, to go see it at Phipps or at at shoot at CNN or 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 at uh, at Linux. Well, well, don't feel so bad, Jeff, because <laughs> okay. I actually <laughs> thank you. I actually didn't see this film until two thousand four. I'm gonna, I know it was are you out of your mind? <laughs> I know it was 2004 because this was the year that I dedicated to catching back up on Oscar films that I had missed, yeah. films yeah. that were considered largely to be like the best film of the year, et cetera. Uh, so 2004 was the year uh, that I really got into the Oscars, Million Dollar Baby one, but I had mm-hmm. seen The Aviator, I had seen Ray, I had seen Sideways, and Sideways in particular was my jam. So exactly, we talked about it on the Open Task podcast. Take a listen to it if you haven't already. Uh, but uh, I, I I wanted to then kind of do my back work, and uh, this was one of the very first movies that I knew I had to catch up on because it had so much star power in it. And I missed yeah. that moment. I missed that yeah. moment when when Russell Crowe. I mean, I took it for granted because Russell Crowe in two thousand four was a worldwide superstar being made fun of on South Park, right? Mm-hmm. But like. In in ninety seven, that wasn't the case. Russell Crowe wasn't known very well. No one knew him, mm-hmm. right? No, Guy not United States. Guy Pearce again uh, from Memento, my man. You know what I mean? I had no idea that this was you know basically his his United States debut. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, and I knew Kim Basinger had won the award uh, for the best act or best supporting actress that year. It was best supporting, right? Or was it best? It was. It was best supporting. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, um, I I knew that had occurred, uh, 
but I, you know, for whatever reason, I just, I, I had overlooked it. Uh, and, and, and you, you talk about the shame you felt, Joe, like, I was like this movie right here. I mean, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, another Kevin Spacey film. Uh, and I know it's taboo to talk about Kevin Spacey. I got him right over my shoulder here. Probably. You do, you do, uh, you do. But, uh, I was a big fan of Usual Suspects and I was like, mm-hmm. no, really, uh, of course. The, 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 the plot twist in this film, like kind of blows the plot twist in, in, in Usual Suspects out the water, in my opinion, simply because it's like, you know. It's, it's a little bit more subtle. It's a little bit mm-hmm. more, you know, it's it's under the radar. And, and it, this is a movie that really rewarded you for, uh, you know, paying attention and, um, you know, the whole neo-noir element, like, you know, it was all there. And uh, I missed it. I missed the boat uh, until 2004. But subsequently, I've seen it, you know, I mean, I, I've owned it on, uh, on DVD. I've owned it on Blu-ray. Uh, I rented it on Xfinity uh, for our catch up tonight. Uh, you know, so. it was it was just on like Peacock or yeah, drop it was either on like, Peacock. It, it was it was on Prime or Peacock like last month. We missed our window. <laughs> you did, <laughs> you did, Pally. I, I was watching. Fair. I was watching. Fair, yeah. fair, fair, yeah. fair. But I mean, you know, uh, it, it's in my I in my twenty films that I have in my bedroom in my on my DVD rack in the, or my Blu-ray rack as it were now in my bedroom. Mm. Of course, in case I need to just like pop it in and watch it like with John Wick and uh, the big Lebowski it's right there so um you know I, I hate that I missed it the first go around uh I hate that I missed it the the subsequent go rounds but 2004 when I caught up on films and and, and really started my real film education was uh was Netflix a thing then or was Netflix that was a little bit later uh, was Netflix a was a thing but it was like the 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 Discs. sending in right. the DVD service okay. yeah okay. yeah because I, I I like shortly thereafter I got Chinatown next and that was like, you know, okay, again, you know, welcome same. 74. Okay, welcome. Exactly. Bob exactly, Town. Exactly. Bobby Evans. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Another, another that we've covered here on the, on the Open Jazz podcast. We have, uh, we have. But, we but have. I digress. So that was, that was my journey into it. Um, and, and so this movie has a lot of little things, a lot of little things. Uh, Joe, what little things stand out to you in this film? It's something my brother told me again. <laughs> Shout out to my brother. You could always shoot a, a period movie in LA because because there's going to be some portion some portion of LA. Thank gosh, some part really in downtown LA to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. which will look exactly like they did during that time period. Mm-hmm. So the authenticity, and we always talk about authenticity in a film, right? Mm-hmm. But the literally the authenticity of uh, Watts or yeah. certain parts of Los Angeles mm-hmm. um, uh, or going to those actual places, the Formosa, like literally going to the place where the stars hung out. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I thought it was super, you know, was great about it. It was great. They didn't overly, they didn't do it. They didn't overdo it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I so the tight. It was something I I listened to about the commentary about the film. They were saying that there were a lot of tight shots, but it mm-hmm. didn't look cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, which of course, when you're doing a period film like this, you got to you know you you think you have to keep keep the tight shots, but it didn't look cheap. But I I really I love the way that it made the '50s look. Mm-hmm. And kind of a uh, things were clean but gritty mm-hmm. and and murky and dirty, even though they were still in a time of great prosperity, I guess for that for that city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that that part I, I loved. The other little thing I loved is just anything with Hollywood. Anytime you can mix the glamour of Hollywood with the reality and the underbelly of Hollywood, the fact mm-hmm. that these are people. 
mm-hmm. and, and humans and they make mistakes. I think, like I think anytime you can do, <laughs> yes, they're just like us, right? Anytime you can do that, I think, I think it makes for a strong story, a compelling story. Absolutely. And no one is clean in this movie. No. So I, I really appreciate that as well, as well as uh, the, the period costumes. I thought, yeah. I thought the costumes were, were on point and, um, and the music was just beautiful. It's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Which, it is. Which, it which is. We can, it which is. We can, which we can debate, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's yeah, a it's a Christmas movie because it yeah, happens. Right. It's a Christmas right movie, Christmas. Yeah. right around Christmas, right? Um, I mean, with like heavy comedy. references to Christmas. Yeah, over. <laughs> I mean, they have a Christmas party. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christmas, right? So, yeah. uh, but Christmas ornaments, all that, all that. So that I think that's another little thing okay. that I really loved about it as well. Okay, okay. How about you, Heather? What little things stand out to you? So I I kind of nerded out this time around. Um, I've watched this movie probably 25 times, but Uh every single time that I've watched it prior to this week, I had not spent any time in LA. Okay. Over the last few years, I spent a ton of time in LA because I was working at uh, UCLA. So I got to know the city in a way that I had never before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so every time they reference a neighborhood, I would like pause the film go on wiki, look it up, Mm -hmm. see who was living there, see kind of like what the neighborhood was like at that time and Uh if it lined up. And I was like, God, they really did their homework for this movie. Um, So there was that part of it. Then I, I, looking at the way that drugs were depicted, Mm -hmm. um, I'm not into drug culture. So some of the references like 15 years ago, I wouldn't have gotten it all. But when they kept saying red devils, I was like, what is that? So then I paused again and I'm like, oh, this is a real thing. Like people are out here dying from this drug that those black boys who were, you know, mm-hmm. harassed and, and, and framed um, were on. Yeah. And yeah. that took me down a whole different rabbit hole, like to see right. the references there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Joe's point, the costuming in this movie, particularly with Kevin Spacey and Kim Basinger, was just spectacular like the idea of a refined pardon my language but whore does not really exist in the same way in this country as it did maybe 50 years ago um i I, perhaps it's out there but that's not the depiction in popular culture right Right. but this was not a lady who just seemed like some (laughs) scuzzy person off the street she was very beautiful Mm -hmm. um and very elegant and her home was appointed in a glamorous way. So her whole presence um, was beautiful, but not young. And that hit me now as a woman of a certain age in a way that it didn't when this movie first came out. Like Kim Basinger wasn't trying to play 30. She was 43 or 44 years old when this movie came out. Mm -hmm. And looking at her, I'm like, she doesn't look like a young ingenue. She looks like a grown, grown woman, but still presented in a way um, where she was considered to be very beautiful and desirable. So that mm. really stuck out to me this time around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Love yeah. it. I, uh, I, and I, as I just want to say, we, we don't care how old Kim Basinger ever, ever is. We don't. We don't. We don't. We do not care yeah. how old yeah. she ever is. But I love, I love what you said about that. I, of course, I, I didn't think about that. And she, she wasn't Vicky Vale. You know, uh, yeah. going back yeah. to Batman. Yeah, yeah she wasn't yeah. Vicky Vale uh, yeah. at, at that point. This was like eight years later, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and yet, and yet, still pulled it off with effortless, yeah. effortlessly. 
Um, well, <laughs> she wanted to ask her for it. So I'm sorry. Go ahead, Calvin. No, I, I want to piggyback on, on what Heather said because, like, as, <laughs> as she was going back and Googling and, and weekend the, the neighborhoods, I yeah. was Googling and weekend the different uh, stars that the, the, the prostitutes were mimicking. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like, as, as, as uh, Lynn Bracken, the Kim Basinger character, is playing, uh, uh, is, is the lookalike for Veronica Lake, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's the, uh, the lookalike for, uh, what was the? Uh, Rita Hayworth. Rita Hayworth. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, you know, all these different lookalikes, and and the fact that Ava Gardner, they had an Ava Gardner, they Ava had a, Gardner, yeah. literally, and then you know when 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 uh, my man Exley, man, uh, God bless Exley, when he goes and 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 accuses the Lana Turner of being a lookalike, uh, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps the greatest it. scene in the movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, my it is, it is, it is. <laughs> but he's like, you know, to to the point that you guys are making the the refinement of of you know like this particular practice at that particular point in time, uh, fluidly, whatever, you know, whatever you desire. Like, uh, Pierce Paget was making it happen. Here's Morehouse mm-hmm. Paget, by the Here's way. Morehouse Paget. <laughs> right, right. Making it happen. That's the first thing I was like, huh? What are you, what, what are you saying? <laughs> it came made from a point. somewhere. Right, 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 right. It came from somewhere, yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, they they were making it happen for, for, for guys that had the, you know, the means. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you want this particular woman, he, he can make it happen to a very close approximation to that you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that was interesting to me i agree on the, the wardrobe uh kevin spacey at one point has on this this white uh it's so clean i don't know if it's fur because it definitely has a texture to it you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and uh russell crowe has on i actually i'm looking straight across the the room at this this uh blazer that i get a lot of compliments on has like the like kind of the uh uh the fabric like i don't know know how to even describe it but it has like a, a wool texture to it Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Just, like a mohair or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. mohair yeah mm-hmm. that's, that's it that's it so like you know uh the ties the big broad ties there's one uh i think meeks has on this tie at one point that it's just like you know covering his entire chest well he and you know he's the older guy he's the older <laughs> right. guy so he's still right. gonna dress he's still gonna dress like it's the 30s right but 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 it's clean he's still clean, clean. The wardrobe was was so on point. I mean, like when when uh when Kim Basinger opens the door for Exley and she has on that white negligee like that. He was gone. He he was already gone. He was over. We all were we were all gone. We were all gone. And the last little thing for me was the the voiceover by Danny DeVito, like Perfect. how it's it's you know the, the the tabloid is framing the storytelling here hush yep. hush uh based on yep. confidential which was a real magazine at that yep. time um you know telling and, the story. and they were talking that talk oh yeah those, those magazines were i mean there was nothing that was i mean i asked his reaction to him when she saw him and, and, and greets yeah. her Hello. Because I, mean, yeah, I featured it in an ingenue of the young dykes of Hollywood. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and Danny DeVito. Oh, wow for this. Danny that's what he said. That's what he like, said. No, no, no. I'm talking about Danny DeVito. I'm like, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, his yeah. magazine was wow for this. He was, he was oh, yeah. absolutely like, no. And he was doing it from like a little a little office. Not a city. <laughs> right. On, on, a, on a little tight, like the, the teletype, like the, you know, Ricky Ding typewriter. No, no way out. Kermit, Kermit. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, just the, that whole element of the film and Danny DeVito doing Danny DeVito things, you know what I mean? It's just it, that I, I really enjoyed that framing of the story. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was, you know, it, it puts you in the mood for what was happening. 
Uh, and and to Joe's point, kind of circling back, those those that that the segment between Hollywood corruption, police corruption, celebrities, that whole circle, and how they're connected and interconnected. And and, and Mickey Cole. Then into that. Yeah. yeah. And Mickey Cole. Yeah. yeah. Then into that. You know what I yeah. mean. And you know, in the memory of the great uh, late Ray Liotta, this that the the Danny DeVito voiceovers kind of put me in the frame of mind of Goodfellas because I think yes. they were used mm-hmm. very very mm-hmm. well there to frame the story, and they didn't yeah. seem mm-hmm. just superfluous like they can sometimes. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that's a great point. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. It was a, a really good use of a voiceover, uh, and they yeah. and they set it up so beautifully by telling us who the three protagonists were, which mm-hmm. which unfortunately it's great for the film. It's horrible for award season, but yeah. but tell, telling us the three protagonists. I mean, he's 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 setting it up, and and you 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 see Bud White, you see Ed Exley, and you see Jack uh, uh, Jackson Sins. Yeah. But it, it's done. I think it's done in a very tasteful and smooth way. Yeah. That it looks like these three stories that are somehow going to be intertwined. And imagine a Los Angeles where, despite having supposedly the biggest police force, I think in the world at that point people knew they knew each other imagine mm-hmm. that that's what that's what's so strange to me like like the, the police like have you heard of him no i never heard I, I heard of this about him i don't know him i heard of him what do you mean i mean you know you, you were supposed to know all the police like it was it's kind of it's kind of crazy to me yeah that a city that size that with, with a police force that big yeah. that they were supposed to have still it was still small enough that they were supposed to all kind of know each kind of know each other and so do you watch I, Bosch? I don't. I don't. No. Okay. I don't. I, I, and I'm going to now after we own the city because I I I heard that uh that uh my man uh Marlo um uh, is in he is he is Jamie he's Hector. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jamie, Jamie Hector, yeah. So Bosch and then the Lincoln Lawyer are both kind of uh two series that are that are linked by their authors, but mm-hmm. also that deal with LAPD. To contemporarily. Okay. And it seems to me that that robbery homicide division, because it is the most elite core of the LAPD, there is still that kind of familiarity, even as sprawling as Los Angeles is now, because you see that same kind of like references, yeah. like, do you know this detective? And it's like, well, how many, y'all, y'all gotta be like 10,000 <laughs> cops here. Right. Right? How do y'all right. know each other? I, w- I would think, you would think. Right. So I guess that does make, I guess that does make sense. I mean, when you're at a certain level, I mean, and if you were to watch this film, the way you'd see it, this is where the detectives are. Yeah. These, these yeah. are the detectives of the Los Angeles Police Department, not even like a precinct. Yeah. These are the guys. Yeah. So so this is the power, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, essentially. So I, I guess in that sense, sure, it, it makes sense. Um, and but I, I it was just really interesting to me that despite the sprawl and the time and all that, that they would still be it's still small enough that mm-hmm. uh, that they, you know, they know each other. And it, and it goes to something. Nick Cage uh, said, the, I think it was the day after he won for leaving Las Vegas. He said he went he went to go pick up some coffee and they went to get a bagel or something. And everybody like um, everybody was you know congratulating him. And he said for a moment, for the first time ever, he said he felt like this was a small town. Mm-hmm. And, and and because obviously it depends on the neighborhood. It's all about you know like neighborhood. You know it's not so much it's it's you know more so than anything else. Uh, and, I, and so so I, I just that that was that was that always struck me as odd. Uh, whenever I whenever I watch it, like how are you supposed to know every single police officer that works for the yeah. LAPD? But yeah. they were really only talking about the ones that do the kind of work they do. To your mm-hmm. point, yeah. To your point. I mean, yeah. and they were they were celebrities to a certain extent, you know. I mean, definitely I, Jake. Yeah, I mean, or Jack. Excuse me, Jack Vincent. Yeah, definitely Jack Vincent. I mean, you know, actually, like he comes from this hero cop family and and, and is awarded, you know, on the front page of the paper, 
like yeah. you know he, he becomes he, yeah but that's 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 a great point so that kind of segues into my favorite this is my favorite category joe you you the the brad sham unsung hero of the movie uh so so heather who's the unsung hero of the movie for you boy you know i think is if we can just divorce his his personal troubles and foibles <laughs> uh-huh. which kind of show up like there's some yeah. scenes in this movie that foreshadow yeah. um what what he's going to go through in his personal life but i do think that um that Jack Vincennes to me is the hero because he never tried to present himself as being noble. But at the end of the day, I think his work really did mean something to him. He had to be reminded of that. Like he kind of lost his way. (laughs) He was in the glitz and glamour, but when it came down to it, like his dedication to trying to get the story writing and make good on what seemed fishy to him and to be called back into that, to the legitimate part of his work was, was heroic to me. Sure, sure. To your point that you you were making uh, about that that one particular scene where uh, Matt Reynolds is being set up to, oh. to kind of get uh, the the DA. Like, I mean, there's a little bit too much glee in, in Kevin Spacey's face. <laughs> in mm-hmm. I was watching very mm-hmm. closely on the last viewing, and I mean, yeah, to your point, that kind of it's it's almost too too poignant, too real. Too he was much. he was he was referencing something that had happened in his mind already. Like. <laughs> Sure, 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 sure. What about you, Joe? Who who are uh, the unsung heroes or, or a hero for you? In the well, film? obviously, you know when you watch it, it's uh, to me. I, I echo Heather's Heather's uh, sentiments about Jack. Um, I, I just thought he was the coolest guy in the film when, when I first saw it. Yeah. Um, actually, in every every subsequent viewing, and he's a he's easily head and shoulders the coolest. Yeah. Uh, and and the fact that it was taken from him. Yeah. Um, I mean, because Exley was so smart, and he knew that you take the show away. You would get him to play ball, yeah. um, but the fact that it was taken from him, uh, and and he had he had to you know, you know, pay his penance and do whatever. I mean, yeah. I, I just love I he eats this he eats the screen up. I mean, he he yeah. he, he he does. Yeah. Um, so I, I obviously I love him. I love the char- I love the character of Jack Vincennes. I I, sure. I do. Uh, he does this line where he, he does this thing. He goes like this. And I used to do that at camp on campus all the time. Like, I'm good. I don't know what it meant. I don't know what it means. I can tell you it's not Masonic. I'm amazing. I can tell you it's not a Masonic. It's not a Masonic sign at all. But but he he would do that. I would do it on the yard all the time. Like, I'm good. I'm cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Checking on me. But yeah. uh, but but if I were to so you know, Heather's already said that about yeah, Jack. Sure, sure, I would sure. add, I would, I would posit uh that Lynn, yeah, Lynn to me is is an unsung hero as well. <laughs> Because as we know, in these in, in film noir, uh, the woman is usually seen as the source of maybe the conflict or something else. And there is a conflict essentially mm-hmm. uh, surrounding her, but not it's not the basis of the story. Sure. But I, I thought that um, Lynn, um, actually Heather said something earlier about making a decision, making decisions uh, that she made specific decisions that she thought was right or, or mm-hmm. you know right or wrong at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really think that uh, she did. Uh, she was led by. She was trying to take care of herself, sure. and then and then she fell in love with Bud, and and that was that. And yeah. so, uh, but she did what she had to do, um, and and personally, I, I you know for for survival's sake, and and um, yeah. and so I I I really liked her character in that regard, and I, I thought that uh, she really helped both men be both characters. Uh, realized that 
you know, they were fine by themselves, but they were probably going to be a little better working together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that that makes, and because they work together, mm-hmm. we get, we, we resolve this story yeah. essentially. And so, so to me, it's, it's Lynn. Yeah. All right. So for me, I'm a, I'm a actually take a, a page from our man Lenny and go a little bit esoteric. Uh, I'm going to say Rolo Tomasi. Rolo Tomasi. Ooh. Uh, okay. Daddy. That, that, <laughs> yeah. That plot point <laughs> was just, I mean, you know, you get this, this story about why he became a cop, yeah. you know, and what his motivating factor was, right? And it's telling the story offhand to, to Y'all's Got Jack, right? And, yes. you know, it's, you don't think anything is going to come of it. And then Dudley, in, the, in, a, in a villainous turn that, I mean, you know, I mean, you probably could have seen it coming, but we definitely... I, I mean, but not like that. Not like that. Right? Exactly. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> he came all the way out the box. Yeah, like, at his house. Here, here's your coffee, and then and bam, right? He killed him at his house. At his house, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, so. no compunction. Just like no. But he's, he's, I am the law, right? You know, but uh, you know him slipping out that roller to Masi as his last word. You know what I mean? And knowing. <laughs> Being the astute detective that he is and knowing Exley and who Exley is, knowing that that's going to give Exley exactly what he yeah. needs to put mm-hmm. it together. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was just, you know, uh, a, a, a wonderful use of character building and also using it as a plot device to move the, the story along. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. Rolo Tomasi, like it's just, you know, this, this, this made up, uh, you know, this, this villain uh, who, who killed us? Who gets away with it, right? <laughs> yeah, Thomas the guy who always gets, gets away. With it. Always gets away, right? And, right. and, and Dudley almost got away, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it almost happened for him. He he, he in a sense was relative. And like, so this is a question I I, I kind of have to ask: Did Dudley was it stated overtly? And I'm just dumb that I missed this. Did Dudley kill his father? Or have some I think Dudley did team? kill his father. I think his father. I think Dudley did kill his father too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did they? Say only, I've only no. I don't think they said it, I don't, but I, in subsequent viewings, I've realized like, okay, it was kind of like, you know, like in um, New Jack City, he tells yeah. a story about how he, uh, you know, Nino tells a story about. Yeah. That teacher was he, my mama. He, killed, he, he, killed, he, to be initiated. He got, he got on those Red Devils. And- yeah, he got on the Red Devils and went out and shot this, this woman. And then it's, it's Ice T's mom. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's um, yeah. Tito's mom. Danny's, in, uh... in, yeah, yeah, in, in the, in the in the film i, I yeah. think that there was enough contextual stuff there yeah, yeah to show that the ruthlessness the ruthlessness was within him yeah. but to your mm-hmm. point, i don't remember a line i don't remember a specific line but it would lead us to believe that this guy was going to do whatever he could yeah to um assume power and yeah. actually was in his way absolutely. absolutely and you know it was such a tell because he was he seemed to be an otherwise very clever man mm-hmm. but the way that he let it come out was so clumsy yeah. Right, like he's yeah. like, so this Rolo Tomasi, <laughs> what you just right. saw be, all of your business? <laughs> that might be like the one. That might be like the one. Like, huh? This movie is like this. It's perfection, mm-hmm. and that might be like the one kind of scene. It's like, wait a minute, we they should have done that one. I'm gonna take that. We need to go again. Let's go again. You know, a little bit more context. Let, let it slip a little bit. Like, in, yeah, it was in a little too overt. It, yeah. Everything else is so subtle and nuanced in the film, yeah. and yeah. that one was a little like, for instance. When um gosh I can't think of uh, Bud's uh, partner's name, but when he oh, sees uh, him, he, yeah, Stensling, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Dick, 
and Dick looks like he's like, you know him, and he looks at Buzz, and they both know each other. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he plays it off like, nah, yeah, I know of him. So know? I want to I want to I want to actually say something about that because for the people who have not seen this movie, this is not right. a movie that you can like text your way through or go oh, make some yeah. popcorn like you oh, need yeah. to be focused yeah. and yeah. to Sit your out. point yeah. joe about that that particular scene like that sets up everything else that happens in the movie mm-hmm. and it yep. seems so inconsequential at the time mm-hmm. and yep. then you have to like oh snap okay wait this is also a full circle at the very end of the movie so you, you yeah, really right. have to focus absolutely absolutely yeah because he he narrates it because ed it narrate ed explains it all when he talks about the white owl by like he literally says, okay, yes, this is who we, this is who we said did it, but this is probably who did it. The two man gangs. This is what happened. Boom, boom, boom. But you don't, if you're not paying attention to that little scene, it's like four seconds. If you're not mm-hmm. paying attention to that little interaction, real quickly, um, and you know, then then you miss out on a number of things that that can connect, that that connect the dots. Yeah. Uh, later, I mean, you got to watch it again. I guess yeah. essentially. Well, yeah, that, that's, and that's his the butt hadn't wanna... been so passionate. Yeah, yeah. Like he missed something in that moment that that could have helped this whole thing be solved much quicker. Because he was worried about the because his his he was worried about the woman. Yeah. Um. Because she had the bandage, and because she just had the surgery. So and she was like, like "Is that what you think, sir?" Yeah, <laughs> it's not what you think. They all had a, a particular weakness. All three of the 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 the, the protagonists had a particular weakness. I mean, you talk yeah. about Exley. Exley's a brilliant detective, right? But he's so pious. And so, Ooh. you know, I mean, he's just... He knows everything. He knows mm-hmm. everything. And a little bit preening and self-righteous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All of those things, right? So, no one wants to work with him, right? Because he's, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's going to snitch. He, he understands those dynamics and doesn't care. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he just is, is that guy that's just, just, you know, I mean, he's, uh, I, I don't know if you guys ever played Dungeons and Dragons or any of those kind of role-playing games. Not, wasn't like allowed. You have these alignments that people have, right? You have the, the 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 good and lawful, and he's the good and lawful guy versus the chaotic neutral guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like that guy. I like yeah. that guy. He's 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 good and lawful. He's not he's rigid. He's not breaking the rules until until he breaks the rules. You know what I mean? And then you know, like you know, it's it's crazy because one of the questions Dudley asks him is, you know, would you shoot a man in the back? Of course not. Of course not. Of course no. Right? <laughs> no. You know what I mean? So don't say what you're not going to do because that's eventually what you end up doing. But the point is, but like, you know, and that's a thing. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was the, point is, the, the other guys, like you know, I mean, ex, uh, 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 Bud White is is so passionate about protecting women uh, to the point that you know his his passion overwhelms him and he becomes mm-hmm. like I mean, people know it, and so they set him up to like Dudley set him up to become very angry to try to kill essentially Exley. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's yeah you know, like it almost becomes their undoing, you know what I mean? Vincent's, you know what I mean? He's, he, he's wanting to, 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 to be the star, you know, and they know that they hold that, you know, mm-hmm. against him. And so all of them are, are, are very flawed individuals, but they bring their strengths together and, and end up solving this, this case, uh, which is really how life ends up working a whole lot of times when you're on a team, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. You use your strengths and your weaknesses, to balance out that team, and, right. and uh, the way that it was, it was framed in the film, I thought was very good. Heather, you were like Vincennes, in, in a way, kind of reminds me of Lester from The Wire. Completely Absolutely. different personality, right? But like, very, very good at what they did, but then checked out somewhere along the way. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they had to come back to it. 
Yeah. But absolutely. those skills were still there. Absolutely. And actually woke up that beast in him, much like how McNulty woke up the beast in uh in his kid. Yeah, man. Like, you know, Jim. Like, Baby's kid number one. There's a lot of parallels actually wire and, and 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 how the wire went about solving cases, you know what I mean, and and in this film, in terms of the archetypes of these characters, these these like the morally gray areas. Uh, the moral gray areas are covered very well in this film, much like in The Wire. In The Wire, nobody's clean. The cleanest anybody is is Kena. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, in this film, nobody's really clean. The cleanest person possibly is Exley. Exley mm-hmm. was very pious and rigid. You know, wasn't about breaking the rules. Kema eventually snitched on Jimmy. You know what I mean? Because she wasn't, a, just like she didn't want to give a fat finger to uh, to, to Weebay when it was time to say Weebay was one of the shooters, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But you know, Kima was like, I mean, there's so many, it's it's weird actually, like how similar these archetypes are. And I'm wondering now in my mind how much I'm sure I'm sure Simon. Yeah, I'm sure like, Simon was how big of a fan. I'm, I'm sure I'm film. sure if you Google it, if you Google it, there, there might be something out there yeah. uh, that he's even saying. <laughs> sure, like, but sure. if you think about the, the, the timing, sure. I mean he was making he was making stuff though. Yeah at, yeah, at this time he was already yeah. doing doing stuff, but I mean, who wasn't yeah, watching? Homicide, all that kind of stuff was out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Heather, uh, you kind of alluded to it earlier—a uh, favorite scene or, or or moment in the movie. Uh, do you have one other than what you mentioned about uh, uh, the Lana Turner scene? Is there another? So that was just hilarious, and the move and okay. the, the move that wasn't really all that funny. That right. was a was a hilarious scene. Yes. Um. So the 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 pers- the series of scenes touched me the most because it goes to the kind of willful ignorance that I can see in parents were the ones where the cops at different times were trying to deal with uh, Susan Lefford's mother. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. There, so Susan Lefford's mother didn't strike me as being particularly bright, but she also struck me as a woman, um, especially when you saw the interior of her house, and she basically had a shrine up to her daughter with pictures from every single phase of her life. I think that she was a person who just could not reconcile what should have been plainly obvious. You do not mistake the smell of a decomposing human body with that of a rodent. <laughs> right. Like you just don't, yeah. right? But yeah. she, she got in that when they were in the morgue and she's like, well, I think that's her. And yeah, okay, her daughter's face had been modified in some way. But I feel like most parents would kind of know their kid, right? Yeah. She didn't, or she didn't admit to it. Cause I think that she knew her daughter was in, in the deep. And maybe didn't want to fully face that. So that was part one of mama being willfully obtuse. And then, you know, your daughter has been running in and out of this house with these strange men. Why is your daughter up under the house? Like none of those questions really seemed at the fore of her mind. And I think she really was coming from a place of wanting to believe her daughter and wanting to love her daughter. But that series of scenes, she just seemed so pathetic to me in a way, but also- like there, I was very sympathetic to her because I'm like, she yeah. just wanted to have her the vision of her little girl in her mind and her daughter had gotten all the yeah. way out there. Yeah. 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 I agree. yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. Joe, what scenes for you? Well, I, I, I think the reaction to the Lana Turner scene is also funny to me because to, to uh, Heather's point, there's not a lot of laughs in this film. Yeah. Uh, but when they get in the car and they get back in the car and they both laugh, Jack and Jack and um, Exley, they laugh and Ed, they they laugh at the fact that he just got the drink thrown on. Yeah, I I, I really like that scene. They they both yeah. break up, I, and it might not even been scripted. I think they just broke yeah. up, 
like yeah. <laughs> like yeah. golly this just happened you know what i mean yeah. Uh, yeah. it's a natural reaction but yeah. you saw him be human you saw xc yeah. be human yeah. which yeah. which which uh he had not been really in any other part of the film i, no. I think to that to that point yeah. also i loved um and i scene i i, I talk about all the time my, my brother and i we quote this this constantly but but when they go to watts and they see the um they see the brother out there in the you know in this grand <laughs> huge place he, he's doing you know he's working the yeah. speed bag yeah and and he and they're gonna they're gonna make a deal to get his brother out. They haven't written a word. They haven't written a thing down. They're not gonna do anything, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just normal, just BS banter, one on one, just to get their information from the from the CI, yeah. and um, not even a CI, just from the informant. And and um, and then he says, so he's like, so my brother, you gonna you gonna help my brother out? <laughs> and, 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 and he just says, keep it up, keep it up. He just says it so cool, like yeah. like Jack says it so so cool, yeah. like he. Keep up the left. I think it was yeah. like he was the left, left or something left. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, keep 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 it up, keep up, keep it up. Yeah. You know, like you know, because he'd seen him fight before, and I think he he didn't keep his left up, and that's, that's why he's not. Yeah. But you know, his, his eyes messed up, right? Yeah. So, um, or maybe I'm mixing that up with that with a Detroit movie, but but uh, also third, um, my 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 third favorite scene really really was when they were in the fight, and when when Exley and and uh, White fight, and they mm-hmm. they figure out. And they, you know, when he sent Bud to go basically kill, mm-hmm. kill uh, Ed, and they figure out, okay, let's. We, we, I mean, mutual mass destruction is not gonna, mm-hmm. uh, not gonna get us anywhere. Mm-hmm. Let's figure this out um, as professionals. Mm-hmm. And they realize that they both, they both have attributes that can solve this thing. Exactly. And the the two things that each other is missing are gonna be enough. Yeah. To, to just you know to come together and, and solve this thing so i really love the way that scene worked itself out and of course yeah. uh the good cop bad cop i mean yeah that's uh they'll be teaching that one in film and i now, now i do have an issue with that scene and i knew i figured we'd get to this you you kind of mentioned something a little earlier but i the the characters who were who were either gay or bisexual, mm-hmm. the characters were queer mm-hmm. in, in, the, in this in this film were seen as weak yeah. in some way. Yeah. And in, in, so, in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Uh, Matt, 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 well, I, I don't know what, what, what you'd call, I think Matt was just trying to survive. Matt Riddle was trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think he was really literally trying to survive. I think he survive. was gay for play. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah. So so you, you said it far more eloquently than I did, right? So, uh, so I said it with the purple prose, but but then when the DA, when they mentioned the thing about the DA, when he's sitting there on the ground shivering, mm-hmm. he just seems so small. And this yeah. is a district attorney for Los Angeles County. Mm-hmm. Like, right, right, this is right. their boss. Right. This is their right. boss. This right. is their this boss. Is who they prosecute for, right? Yes. This is, and and, and it, this is like this is a big deal. And they beat yeah. this guy up yeah. and he just looks so small and helpless. Yeah. And um I just I, I took issue now. The scene itself is just an amazing. Yeah. But but I took issue with how he was portrayed there, you know, then and there yeah. in 1955, whatever Los Angeles, what, what, whatever it was. In my mind, it's like, gosh, okay, of course he's he's laying there shivering. He can't fight back. He doesn't he doesn't have the means with which to fight back. Yeah, uh, he's Jewish he's in that movie too. I think yes, which adds absolutely. a whole other it's, layer it's, to yeah, it, yeah, right? It's it's to it, right? A whole yeah. other part of it. Yeah, there yeah. to your point, yeah. and he's yeah. not like Mickey Cohen. 
This is City University of this New York, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This, is, this, is, this is a different, you know, yeah. different. They might go to the same show. They might go to the same right. show, but, but one sits a little closer, you know, to the front yeah. than the other. But, yeah. but you know, yeah. on the High Holy Days. Very but well but the point being, they, they just made him, like, kind of, that was for you. They made him kind of weak. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, which goes back to your thing in Tombstone, like, these yeah. two characters, you know, it's so the priestly character. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're just a little different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Playing it, up it, it was, but, but it was 1950-whatever. Yeah. You and know, the it, way that they talked about it, a homicide, like, can you imagine that being used by even a cop, even a beat yeah. cop this day and age, like, not known for necessarily being the most refined about the way they talk about things. Just you would not hear, I don't think, no. that kind of language, not depicted in a movie, at least. Sure. No, no I, I totally agree. I mean, but they got me, away. They got away with it. It's like it's like it's like it's like racist language. I mean, you, you get yeah. when, when you're doing the when you're doing the period piece piece. You can do. You know, you're gonna get away with that. Yeah. You, you know, you're gonna get away mm-hmm. with that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Cal, me, there isn't there is a scene that I wanted to come back to that I forgot sure, to mention sure, though. Please, please. Um, and that is Inez Soto, who is the oh, Mexican yeah. rape victim in yeah, that movie. Yeah. yeah like yeah. who has been the victim of this horrible, horrible yeah. assault. Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. And when she gets out of that hospital and she admits to Exley that she lied about the timeline. Yeah. But she needed justice to be served. Mm-hmm. Like part of me was so upset because I'm like, you've got these young men killed. But on the other hand, I'm like, if I were her, I'd be like, forget them young men. Like she didn't owe anything to them. They <laughs> yeah. had, you, know, yeah. you all just absolutely. went bananas She's on this woman. The way she knows how to get justice, mm-hmm. right? And she was absolutely right. She was like, yeah. no one would have cared about some little Mexican girl from Boyle Heights getting raped. It's probably one of the strongest lines in the whole film. Like yeah. it's all serious. Yeah. It's also serious. It's probably one of the strongest lines in the film. That's kind of what I want to want to get to. Resonates. Really, like the, the 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 racial element of this film, <laughs> I think they really nail uh, a lot of that, man. Like you talk about like the first the, the first big fight sequence is when they mm. have the Mexican guys brought into the into the prison and, and have that bloody Christmas uh, mm. you know fight. Uh, and, and, and you know, I mean, again, you know, they they escalated the situation, right? I mean, in, in true true form, escalate the situation. But you know, there's a point where <laughs> the situation could have been de- de-escalated. And the Mexican guys like, yeah, you know, f your mother too. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and then it, it goes all the way left. You know what I mean? And that's all the way. That's I mean, that's how these things happen, right? Uh, a lot of times, you know. So uh, that that scene definitely, uh, you know, the racial undertones of how the police handle. Uh, 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 the my, ethnic minorities uh, certainly is it still rings true today. I mean, these things are still happening in the exact same way. That has not changed at all. And then the interrogation scene with with the brothers, right? Uh, and and to your point, Joe, about like the uh, the use of sexuality, like in that interrogation scene, the the way that they really get a reaction and rise out of the brothers is by accusing them of being sissies. Of saying, hey, you, right. know, you, you turned sissy and in, in, when you were in lockup, you know, and and no, nah, yeah. that was the other one, you know what I mean? And and, and he's listening because they 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 got they got him on the, the intercom, you know what I mean? So yeah. they can hear everything that's going on. And he's like, no, nah, you know, that wasn't me, blah blah blah. This and the other, and you know, like I mean, he he breaks them using that that particular line of, of interrogation. Uh, and actually, this really showed a lot of actually skill in terms of yeah, like, it's brilliant and, and, and deadly new. Dudley was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. you just watch, watch, watch how he handles." Oh, the boy, the, the boy, the kid went off like, yeah. Like, yeah, we got a, mm-hmm. we got a phenom yeah. here. 
Hey, y'all, y'all don't know yet. Yeah. Y'all don't know yeah. yet. Don't look mm-hmm. this. This is the value. He knew it. He knew yeah. it from the beginning. I mean, he was like, you know, you're one out of 23. You know what I mean? You 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 had the highest score. You know, what do you want to do? <laughs> and then he tells him he wants to be a detective. And he, you know, he's like, can you do these dirty things? You know, that that particular scene as well, very early on in the film, but it really set a big tone for like what is expected in terms of corruption. Uh, I've been watching Breaking, uh, not Breaking Bad, uh, Better Call Saul a lot lately. Uh, and like there, again, a lot of parallels here between like, you know, uh, how, how Mike, uh, and I don't, did you watch any of these, Joe? Or are you, I don't want to spoil too much. Cause I know. Oh, you're yeah, I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. I, I mean. Mike. So Mike Ermintrout, do you watch it, Heather? You watch Breaking Bad or, uh, mm-hmm. or, or Better Call Saul? So the whole, all of it. <laughs> yeah. So Mike Ermintrout, his, his whole journey from like being a, 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 essentially a corrupt cop to being best friend, uh, best friend's right hand man, uh, you know, like there are a lot again, a lot of like, you know, what are you, what are you willing to do to 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 get to this point? Or, or Walter White's art, what are you willing to do to get to this point to be this person that you you claim you want to be? Because if you want to be this, this is what you got to do. You know what I mean? That was broken down really well uh, to to Exley and Exley, you know, in his piousness is like, no, I'll never be that. You know, I'm going to obey. I'm going to uphold the the the, the the virtues of, of a cop, you know what I mean? And, and, and gradually you see, he has to eventually do a lot of the things he said he wouldn't do. So I, I like how that's framed. And I like how like it, there are a lot of callbacks to it later on. And you mm-hmm. see how strong of a detective he is and how really like he, he, you know, he was, he was made for that job, but he also in a lot of sense was not made for the job. Yeah. And Cal, I think so. And to you, you said something about, um, his, his brilliance being recognized, right? right? So I think that his academic brilliance was recognized because clearly he, he tested so well. Right. But what he did in that interrogation room was not academic, right? right. Like he right. was reading those people in that yeah. situation. And I don't yeah. think that those who knew him because his interpersonal skills with his colleagues were so poor, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It came as a shock to me that he yeah. got in there and really knew what the heck he was doing and like yeah. how to get this information. Because I'm like, this yeah. person is seemed tone deaf. Yeah. In every yeah. other situation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then he finally sold his colleagues. You know, in in the sense when he when he ended up uh, uh, saving the scene in terms of the uh, the 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 the, uh, the black guys when he goes in and and, and basically machine, shoots, machine shoots, gun yeah, shotgun machine, shotgun yeah shotgun it right. You know yeah, what I mean? So that's, yeah. he, he comes full circle then, you know what I mean? And earns, I guess, to a great extent, although there's still some signs of, uh, you know, still some resentment with other cops there. Mm-hmm. But they, they definitely see, okay, this guy is, is a for real, for real cop. Uh, at that so moment. there's like this little micro thing that happened in that interrogation room. And then when I thought about it and then thought about the time period, it, it brought up something for me. So okay. this is, and this is, 1953 or 1954 right so we're maybe 20 years into the great migration mm-hmm. west and north yeah, yeah. so presumably these black men young black men who were in the movie were either transplants or first generation in california right, right. they're not people right. who've been there forever right there was there was something that the machine gun young man said about dogs Mm. And it made me think about yeah. how dogs were used against black people yeah. in the South yeah. by the police. Yeah. And this contempt, like, why would you, I get maybe you're not an animal person, but there's a level of contempt that yeah. he had about those dogs. Like you're out here shooting dogs and tearing up dogs. And I was like, I wonder if there's a little bit of a backstory there 
um, if, you know, if he's from that generation of people in Mississippi or, or Louisiana that had to yeah. come to flee yeah. racial terror, terrorism in their home Maybe. state. Yeah, yeah. Ain't got no yeah. for no dogs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you feel clear about that. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't, he was not playing around uh, about his feelings about yeah. dogs. Not, yeah. not at all. Yeah. So that, that's a that's random a thing, point. right? That's, like, that's, a great, that's a great point. That's a, that's that's a, a great a, point. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. All right. So, uh, Joe, this is the segment where we can uh, kind of nitpick and talk about. Uh, you already mentioned at least one nitpick about the film. Any other things that you thought were. Not so hot no, I, I don't have a problem. I, okay. I I I think this was, I mean, the exception of that one scene, the relativizing yeah. scene, but I know it was important and, yeah. and maybe sure. Carmel just had a bad take, whatever, uh, or that sure. was just the best take they had. Sure. But but uh, I don't have any, I don't have any problems with this film really at all. I have no nitpicks with the film um, other than what I didn't quite understand, but I just, I, I, can, I guess I kind of get it. Is that I, what I didn't understand at the time when I first watched it, but only through rewatches I understood they are the police are taking control of the entire drug trade mm -hmm. of Los Angeles mm -hmm. and running it. And it. yeah, and Dudley is running it from his place, yeah, from his yeah. modest, you know, from his nice home, his yeah. modest little home, yeah. where uh, where his wife and two lovely daughters, uh, you know, as he as he put it, live and. That's what's that's what this gang war really is. Yeah. Is just really these police officers, these two man shotgun crews, which they found, yeah. by the way, later when they were out there and put the guns in the in the in the Mercury Coop or whatever. Um, essentially, they were going through doing all these doing the killing and consolidating power to control the drug trade in Los Angeles at the time. Yeah, and I, I could see like. You know, you, you do it and you're selling it. You you buy it back and you sell you, you steal it and then sell it back. Right, right. Wayne to, to the guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they weren't doing that. They were yeah. they weren't doing it. Like they were controlling the drug trade. Yeah. In um in Los Angeles in this story, which I first I was like, huh, what in the world? But but you know that's where they were. I I, I would have loved some exposition about how we got here in the corruption. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. Or how long. Yeah. That had been happening because that probably had something to do with excellent with. With um, Big Ed Exley's, you know, Vid Ex Big Ed Exley's death, yeah, um, or whatever his dad's name was, uh, but the Exley Senior's death, it may have had something yeah. to do with that. Yeah. And and um, so Preston, I'm really I'm, Preston Exley. Preston, thank you, Preston Exley's death. Uh, of course, he sounds like he would do everything, but Preston Exley. <laughs> um, and so and so and so, um, I I wish we'd had some more exposition sure. on just how long this practice has been going on in in yeah. this graft. Uh, has been, you know, being undertaken by, by, um, by LAPD, yeah. and how did it stay under the noses? Like, how far up did this corruption go? Yeah, you know, you and Dudley I mean? was Irish in this movie, or no? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, he has that accent, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's which, which I thought was more of a New York, New York or East Coast thing, which is kind of interesting um, that it was in LA. Uh, they just let Cromwell do Cromwell. I mean, just, just get out of the way. Just like let Cromwell be Cromwell. I mean, I, I, I'm, hey, I'm all for it. Let, let you do your thing. I, I but that's see, a good I question. I definitely see him as, as Irish. I see him as about as Irish as uh, Sean Connery and uh, and in, in uh, Untouchables with the, you know, yeah. I mean, the the, the stereotypical Irish uh, cop almost. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he Which definitely was, had that broke. I was just wondering if maybe that was another one of the opaque references um, that wasn't fully explored. But maybe he had some ties to Irish. Uh, organized crime because I, 
I think it came in and out though. I think the, I think the brogue came in and out. Like I, I hear you, but you know, like so. And I'm gonna get to the Oscar, my Oscar rant here in just a moment about yeah, 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 yeah. about this film. But yeah. I think it kind of came in and out. But but it's in mostly because it's Cromwell, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. so it's mostly it's mostly there throughout the film. Yeah. And uh, I I love a quick aside when he's in W and he plays George Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, this, he really can do these voices. Like he was, he was playing, he was playing <laughs> you know, I, he could do something up because in my mind, despite all the things he's done to be in my mind, he really is, he's deadly. Yeah. He's Captain mm-hmm. Dudley mm-hmm. in my mind all the time, uh, no matter what else he's done. Yeah. And um, so that's a good, that's a really good question about Irish mob. I, no telling, but it didn't seem like they were, like they were only dealing with whatever the, cause Mickey was the West Coast representation of the East Coast Mm-hmm. Uh, mob, and so they took him down, and then they consolidated. And so everybody else who tried to come in town, they sent them back. You know, back, back yeah. like that. No, no, we got this. Yeah. This is the city of angels. Yeah. That we, you know, we, we we have this here. So, yeah. or, or they took. You know, they 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 killed all the people. So, yeah. um, also the Johnny Stampinato, um, he had a really interesting, crazy life, and um, and, and didn't no girl's daughter kill him? Yeah. And then a lot of a lot of Turner dated Sammy Davis, too. Hmm. And okay. if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, the eye when he lost his eye, it was because there was a gangster what? upset about yeah. When I read Sammy Davis in Black and White, which I highly suggest to anybody who's interested, Will Haygood, amazing, amazing, amazing book. Okay. Uh, Sammy Davis in Black, Sammy Davis Jr. in Black and White, but he dated he dated her. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I'm pretty certain. And something about the car wreck that took out his eye, which was not mm. an accident, had to do uh, with him. They wanted him to stay away. Lana. Lana had from, that fire. Okay. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. Oh, apparently. Wow. And something. And something. <laughs> so, as a callback to our last show, this is usually when you're, you, no, I mean, no, no, you're and very I, modest, I be, sir. You do your I homework. Very, I could be very, no, I do <laughs> no. that. I, I read that book 10 years ago. I could be very wrong. I could be very wrong on that one, but I could swear. Uh, I believe Lana. you. I, I could have sworn it was Lana Turner. Um, and it's, it's a quick Google. And I'm probably wrong. It's another probably another blonde starlet that's not Lana Turner. But, and it, it wasn't his wife, my Brit, but it was like some star for like some short period of time. Like, and I think Frank introduced him. And I, it was, hey, Hey, baby, this is this how we were rolling. You know what I'm saying? Let it do what it do. This is how we rolling. But, 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 uh, but yeah. So my only, my only issue would have been like, explain, explain some of those things a little more for me. But I had no, I had no other issue with it. I, I'm, I'm more. I want to talk about how it was robbed. Um, but, but I have no other issue with the film. I'm Pontius Pilate. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Heather, do you have any, any, any nitpicks or anything like that, or? So no, I don't have any nitpicks, but I do want to have a point. I have a point that I want to raise. It's kind of um, apropos to another movie that has come out. And I think they stand in good contrast. So I just saw, I I saw Top Gun Maverick with my nephews a couple weeks ago when it first came out. And I liked the film. It was fun. And I I enjoyed it. But the, the first thing that stuck out to me about that movie was its role as a tool of American myth making a contemporary to like it just read me for the base of uh, this need um, for a certain class of Americans to see themselves as heroes, to see themselves as um, strong and principled and daring and proud. Right. Okay. 
So this part of American cultural mythology is part and parcel of what we've always seen in movies. This movie completely turned that on its head. Okay. Like very, very intentionally. So having just seen Maverick and then watching this and like knowing what America was trying to do culturally in the mid-century and how it was trying to sell itself. You know, Detroit in 1950 was like the best American city to live in. And it had all these exposés and Life magazine with, you know, the pictorial um, uh, uh, exposés of, uh, of the perfect American family and like, you know, the, the ability to come and get a great job and really make a future for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so much of it is and has always been some nonsense. And this story just showed the underbelly of that every yeah. single way with the drugs and with um, the, you know, the, the rights of, of LGBTQI people being trampled and with the treatment of Blacks and Mexicans, like at every turn, even the white people in this movie who were poor, were, they were all the way out there too. Like no one was really doing all that well, even though they had this beautiful facade of Hollywood glamour. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two movies, having seen them so closely, really stood in contrast. But I, I loved what this movie did and how fresh it still seems. Like some of the, the themes that were brought up are still perfectly suited if it were made today. Yeah. We would still be talking about how people get railroaded by the police and how deep corruption is within probably even more now than, than it was then. Mm-hmm. Um, and the racial strife and the domestic violence. And even in this era where we have such a permissive attitude toward vice, um, some of the things seem a little bit antiquated, like y'all were out here trying to find people smoking weed. <laughs> right, right, right. They took him in for that. They took yeah. him right. in for that. It's like, yeah. your career is ruined. Yeah, he was on the road for, to recovery from his, his, his tragic marijuana uh, yeah, arrest. From marijuana. Too. You out here. And in the, in the staff weed? of expose that you mentioned, like, <laughs> there would be nothing now. Yeah, right. That, Although that Rebel Wilson a... did just get out it, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. She so did. the Oscars, Joe. Uh, so I mean, actually, so this movie got nope, nope, nope. It was it, nominated it, for nine things. Go ahead, go now, please. Go, go, go with, go with your thoughts. Nominated your thoughts. for nine. It, it won for for best adapted screenplay. As well, it should. Won for uh, best supporting actress, as, we are, as we've already mentioned. Yes. Uh, you know, Curtis Hansen was nominated. The film was nominated. Uh, that particular year, the 70th Oscars, it was up against uh, uh, talk about we, we go up, we, we talk about this Oscars a lot. Yeah. This Oscars comes up quite a bit yeah. for us, yeah. but and keep going. We, I'm sorry, we, please. We recognize the Titanic. Uh, I mean, in our opinions, you know, didn't deserve nearly as much of the love that it got, but it got that love, you know what I mean? Uh, so there's that. Um, I think the biggest travesty to me, and I think you alluded to it earlier, was the fact that like these these acting these acting performances basically canceled each other out, mm-hmm. uh, in in a way that you know I think that they are starting to recognize that now, like Judas and the Black Messiah and other other films that are coming out recently. Uh, but here in 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 1998, uh, the 70th, 70th Academy Awards, certainly these guys canceled each other out, and I think you know. Uh, I don't. I, I'm interested to know who you thought should have been nominated for what uh, in in those roles. Nine nominations. Yeah. Two wins. Yeah. Um, the story of Los Angeles corruption <laughs> in, yeah. in poli- <laughs> corruption in Hollywood. Yeah. And Hollywood in Hollywood and police and the police force. Yeah. <laughs> uh, starring Kevin Spacey, Russell Crowe, and and uh, Guy Pierce. This 
is LA Confidential. And, and, and Kim Basinger, this mm-hmm. is LA Confidential. That, that, that would have been my, my Oscar thing for it, right? Right. Um, I, I just, I was coming out on the stage, I was doing that, you know, get a big basket uh-huh. for, for uh-huh. doing that. Uh-huh. This is LA Confidential. Uh, $25,000 worth of gifts. Yeah, $25,000. Okay, so nine nominations, two wins. Uh-huh. I look at, let's start from the top. Okay. Um, this movie is better than Titanic will ever be. Ever. Um, yeah. So, totally you know, agree. that's 99 just not, on that's just, let's just knock that off. The yeah. Let's just take that away, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, even better than the last 30, 40 minutes of Titanic, which I think we're, we're, we're great. Uh, when the ship is going down, I think it's awesome. Uh, to me, that's the movie. That's that's the movie to me. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the part kept, I love. Could have kept the other. The, the other like, I would have been just fine with everything. Four hundred minutes uh, of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> in four hundred minutes prior to fine. I saw it at Fifth Plaza. I went to Batson like four times. I was there like, good lord, how long is this movie? Right. So <laughs> <We're> still here. <laughs> yeah, good God. Yeah. <laughs> you must have really liked her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I did. I did. Uh, there was, there's nothing up here. Uh, <laughs> um, Having said that, <laughs> good point. Having said that, um, I, I, I look at best actor. So mm-hmm. so after I've already said best picture, uh-huh. you should have won that. So the, the win total should be a three. Um, then I look at best actor. Okay. You know, I got, I, you know, I love Jack. I got no problem with that. Sure. But let's look at the nominations though. Yeah. Okay. Let's look at them. So, so Matt Damon, Good Will Hunting, of course. Mm-hmm. You, oh, you, wow. You that's a argue. tough year. Yeah. It's extremely tough year. You got Bobby Duvall and the Apostle, which I never saw. Peter Fine and Yuli's Gold, which I never saw. But Dustin Hoffman and Wag the Dog. See, so this is yeah. where I this is where I have an issue. Yeah. Either you, saw, you, yeah. you you definitely take to me, you could remove Hoffman uh-huh. and you could probably put Bud White. You could probably put Russell, you give Russell Crowe personally, you give Russell Crowe that spot. Okay. And the reason and you give you give him that spot and or you innovate and go to mm-hmm. six mm-hmm. and then you and then you figure out is it is it is it spacey, spacey, spacey. is it spacey it's or spacey. is it or is it pierce it's and, and 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 who eats up the who eats up the screen it's spacey, spacey. Yeah. he yeah. is enormous yeah. he's mm-hmm. everything and to yeah. me he gives of all these people nominated he gives the run he gives nicholson the most run for his money nicholson yeah. gets to act like a a mental uh, not a, uh, um, a psychologically challenged racist homophobe with the heart of gold mm-hmm. you know that's what that that's essentially what he gets to act like <laughs> in, the, in the movie and, and, and i love misogynist <laughs> everything and i love look i love as good as it gets. I, I love it i think of a man and i take away reason in the capital <laughs> he got he got he won an oscar for saying that yeah, yeah. okay so so this is yeah. this is what they voted for in 1998, yeah. no, I, right? I, I, I right. So, yeah. but to me, to me, it's definitely spacey, as Jackman says, sure. in, in in the actor position. Then sure. you can go to supporting actor, throw Guy Pearce in there, and we've talked about we've talked about how yeah. heavy this field was, yeah. right? We've yeah. moved people from actor and supporting role constantly. Yeah. Who wins? Robin Williams wins for Good Will Hunting. Yeah. Mm. Robert Forster. Robert Forster. Who could have won? That's my as well? favorite. My favorite. You know, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. We've we've oh. talked many times about Anthony Hopkins. Seven minutes in oh, Amistad. God. Oh, God. Seven whole minutes in Amistad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that year could have been Bert's year for Boogie Nights. Yeah. Um, or Kinnear. So you you could probably remove Kinnear, and definitely move Anthony Hopkins, and you can put Guy Pierce in there, or you can just expand it and put and, g- and give Guy Pierce. So if you yeah. do that, in all sincerity, yeah. if you do that, then you're up to five, and then I feel a little better. 
Yeah. I feel a little better. Yeah. Uh, I think I think everything else that it was up for, you know, it, it I think, well, when you remove Titanic, I, I, from an art direction perspective, it's on the water. It's a yeah. set. Um, I, I, I think they disrespected, they completely disrespected. But Gattaca probably was more pretty. You know, Kundun. <laughs> Kundun. <laughs> think about it. Gattaca was more pretty. Kundun was... Kundun was prettier. Men in black, <laughs> men in black, and all sincerity was yeah. far more intricate. Yeah. yeah, than all of them. But it was so much CGI. They're probably like, eh, okay, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know what I'm saying. As yeah. opposed to like, this wasn't. They went out and shot this LA yeah. Confidential. Yeah. Like they didn't. There was no. Uh, the, you know, like Titanic. They're not in the water. They're not in that. They went out and shot this. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and and so I think it. It's so good. Yeah. That that it just did the goodness of the it, it made so well that it just backfired on the film yeah. so per, personally i i felt i mean the two oscars the adaptive screenplay tells you everything you need to know because yeah. titanic went up for any writing awards no. mm-hmm. okay. for obvious reasons right yeah. uh and it wasn't up for any <laughs> acting awards for obvious reasons yeah. so how does the picture that wins best picture how um if, you can't, if, you, if it's not written if it's not written best and it's not acting. You can't even get not one acting nomination, but it's best picture. Okay. Well, right. I mean, Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. 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 Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even have I don't have a problem with my heart going on. I don't even have a problem with that. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm fine with that. Uh that same person I went to see the movie with, she's the love to one to Delilah. And every night. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If there's any false American millionaire who has come up off of nothing. It's is Delilah. Delilah. Hey. I want to retire and become the modern Delilah. Hey, I, I hope you do. I hope you work out. Okay. <laughs> I leave my if, job if, today. If anybody can do it, you can. Okay. I, hey, look. Hey, y'all, y'all need out. to recognize Heather. Hey, man, if you're not following Heather on social media, right? That's it. I mean, from the cooking to the traveling to the insights about music, like, I mean, it's, it's just all there. Like you, well, you. but Delilah yeah. is like all cap. I was, yeah. I was it is, truly. It's, like, it's a producer. Cap. It's produced. It's 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 yeah. It's you know. It's like and uh, I, I want to say she listened to Delilah. <laughs> I, we'd be in we'd be in McAlpin. <laughs> Delilah, Wait, come on! I'm narrowing this down now. Okay, hold Star on. Star ninety four. Tell me more. Don't worry. Don't worry. We, Delilah will be on Star ninety four. B ninety eight point five. Late later in the evening. Uh-huh. And. She listened to she Delilah would be on and it inevitably mm-hmm. every single night I would hear my heart will go on. I'd be like, please oh, God, let, let these Oscars come on. Let these Oscars start and go. It's like yeah. when I was growing up and the color purple was up for all these Oscars and they played um uh God's trying to tell you something every day as a sign-off <laughs> on the gospel list uh, channel my mom used to listen to until the Oscars. And when it didn't win, they didn't they stopped playing it. Like mm-hmm. it just went away. Delilah kind of kind of took it out of rotation. Yeah. But anytime somebody would call in, oh, I broke up and I know I used to love him. And da 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 And then she's like, I understand. Yeah. I understand. And I have a perfect song. And, and I, here's the song for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the, the the Oscars that year. They built a ship. Yeah. Like she she's <laughs> up there on a ship. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, it yeah. was. Look, they, they didn't build a no ship. damn Coliseum for Hercules. No, they did not. If they build a ship for your song, you win it. You already know. Win. Win. <laughs> right. If they build it, a ship, it was for a your coordination, point. man. It was a coordination. In, in all sincerity, like, what's a better? Is Miss Misery by Elliot Smith? 
Oh my God. I, I, absolutely, that's a better song, personally. Miss Misery by Elliot Smith, my yeah. main man from Dallas, Texas. Shit. Absolutely, it is. Or how do I live? I'll take that. Like, how do 20 I times live? out of 20 over my heart will go on at this point. And maybe oh it's because gosh. of the ubiquitousness of. of yeah. Because it's, it's a good song, objectively, is. but I mean, you've heard it a thousand times in one week. Yeah. In yeah. that era, this is too much. At least yeah. five on the ladder. Yeah. At least Monday through Friday. <laughs> my mom, my mom not Monday, has... not Monday because there's no visitation on Monday. But but let definitely hair washing day. Yeah. Man in the hall. That's, that's what it was. Patricia Smith, <laughs> who I love dearly. Shout out to mom. She, she I don't know. She's shout, shout out to mom Pat. Shout but, out to mom um, Pat. You know she has every Celine Dion CD, and so this was. It's not about Celine. It's not about Celine. Know, that's fine. Saying, that's fine. But like like so, I've heard my heart will go on. For an entire lifetime, I, I never need to hear. I never need to hear the song again. It's not on any Ever. of my Apple playlists. It's not on on any of my Spotify playlists. Like, yeah, I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna study you your Spotify. You still know every note. Like yeah, you probably haven't listened to it on purpose in, in ten years and still know every note. Yeah, She's exactly. Like, There's exactly. nothing I fear. There's You're here, fear. <laughs> right? Hey, you know, and I'm I'm a sucker for a crescendo in a song. I look, you know, but, strong. Yeah, it's I've, it's ha- I've had enough. I've had enough. Yeah, I mean, Joe, to your point, man, the Oscars, you know, we we can we can talk to it blue in the face. They don't get it. They don't So I gotta say one thing about Joe's picks though. So Joe, yeah. I, I agree, but I think that that Russell Crowe could not have been nominated for this movie. Okay. I think once he punched Lynn in the face. Mm-hmm. For like the female viewers and that, yeah. even though he was which may have been which may have been why he wasn't, which may be why yeah. he wasn't. The so, other thing is, I, I would love to hear from the casting directors because, <clears throat> and looking at these men on paper, mm-hmm. Guy Pierce to me is objectively a better looking man than Kevin Spacey is. So it seems if you were only casting for like who seems like they want to be the Hollywood type and who would have kind of a look to carry that off, it would have seemed that Guy Pierce would be that cop, that he would have played the Kevin Spacey role. And Kevin Spacey has more of a, you know, a character actor's kind of look. Mm-hmm. But despite the fact that Kevin Spacey is not like a classically good looking marquee Hollywood star, like he just owned that role. Yeah. yeah. And, is, and is much more glamorous in that role than I think uh, Ed Exley is in his. Yeah. Even though Ed Exley's like, if you just look at their faces alone, he's the one who has the, the classic Hollywood look. Yeah, he's a leading man. He has that. Yeah, I, I, I think, and I think to your point, I agree with you completely. And I, I think to your point, Ed's whole look though plays into that do good or by the book guy. It, it, I mean, it just it just really plays into it. And it, it's it, it's like the old highlights thing, Goofus and Gallant, and and my daughter. And Sage, <laughs> like, uh, from point of departure, Sage <laughs> gets Sage gets highlights, and she'll and I'll tell they her. Still oh, have that? Oh, oh gosh, yeah, do they ever? And now they have explanations of each goofus and gallant. And I'll be like, oh, I hate gallant, like Sage. And so she'll, she, she, as they say, read, read me the goofus and gallant. So she'll read it. She's like, well, who are you with? Goofus or gallant? Goofus and, all and day. I, I, I usually, <laughs> in my heart, I'm with goofus, but gallant has some points now. Gallant has some points. <laughs> but growing up, it was, gallant was always right. You know, goofus was, was like ridiculous doing, growing up. Goofus was goofy. Why are you doing this? You know, and so this is literally. I'm not. I don't think anybody else is goofus, but he was definitely gallant. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's he's very ga- he's gallant. Yeah, yeah. The beauty yeah. of Spacey's the the beauty of Jack's character, mm-hmm. the, the character of Jack that sins is that he's a little older, 
mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So he's already had his time as the beat cop. He's yeah. done his thing as the detective and he's done his political stuff yeah. so he can get the cushy job where he has the access yeah. to the Hollywood life. Yeah, you know what I mean? A consultant yeah. still gets gets the gets the uh the tax free money um from from uh from hush hush yeah and 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 everybody knows it like everybody knows it right if you remember like dick mentions it he said you know the one that you know that that magazine that uh that that he that uh, vincennes skims for right Mm -hmm. of course he knows vincennes of course they all know each other right so yeah so i mean he knows it too everybody knows it too but it's like it is what it is i think to your point he he needed it more he needed he needed to be on the scene because as we know if you're there, not hey. If you're there, sometimes it doesn't matter what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you have access, if yeah. you have access to, to you know to 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 these to that life, or just yeah. by being in the room, yeah. just by being in the room, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That, that, that's more than enough, regardless of what he's making per you know uh, per year, per month, or whatever. He's he's there. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, that that's he's already up that five hundred points by just being in the room where the young starlets are. Yeah. So Absolutely. so as unbelievable as it seemed the whole time, uh, personally. But 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 uh, I, I I love I love the character. To your point about Bud, you're right. He couldn't he couldn't have gotten there with that. But at least they could have put they de- he Jack Vincennes definitely gives Melvin Udall a run for his money and literally to me. He runs him off the screen. He, mm-hmm. he runs him right off the screen. And to me, he's best actor that year. And, and when, when did American jump. Beauty come out? How many years after this? Two years later, ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I saw. That, I saw at the. What was it? Bucket? No, no. Bucket backlot. I saw. Yes, that was the first one with the food. Yeah, that was with the food. Hey, 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 from Mojo. <laughs> Hey. Yeah, that was that was look, if you went to the back lot, <laughs> you were living. Yeah, that was that was real that was love. The, the date, date. I'm searching yeah. for the real love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> man, I, I, I want to say something real quick. I was yeah. supposed to take someone else to that, but uh-huh. she she objected to the poster <laughs> and the subject matter. So I took someone who With did the not rose? object. Yeah, she said, oh, it's a little racy. Oh, what is it? It's like, okay, well, I'll call somebody. I know who will go. <laughs> I, I, I know who will I go. I got one that likes that. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. No problem. When it appears Patches girls. Like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, no problem. You know who ever talked about is Pierce Patches. We have not talked about this character. What do we know, make Pierce had, There are no black women in this movie. Not a one. Not a one. Oh. But, they, they, but they, they were in the background. They were Pierce's house. Pierce, whatever you like. Pierce had some sisters somewhere in there. Oh yeah, and after I had oh, to like absolutely. Andrews. He had a Dorothy Dandridge and Alina Horn. He had Alina Horn and a Dorothy Dandridge. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, if I had to pick one to party with, and I'm not saying I get it down like Pierce gets down, but if I could go to a party and to just to experience, I want to go to Pierce's party in the Hollywood you? Hills with the dope house and all all the things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you I see, mean, like it, it had it going the, on. That's prior to the Playboy Mansion. Yeah, everything about it was elegant and clean. Playboy Mansion. That's that's the, the that's that's it right there. That's the prototype. That's yeah. That's that's what he's doing. Back when he was in the garage and Hef was in the Hef was in the garage. Yeah. Uh, you know he was doing this. He was doing this at his house, yeah. uh, hosting these parties and had the service. Yeah. Which, I would love a little more exposition on like how do you get, how did you get here? How, right. how, how are we doing this? Yeah. And and, and, and the, the fact get... that 
he was in league with, yeah he was in league with all these other people though yeah, yeah. he was yeah. connected to every mm-hmm. other part of the every other part of vice yeah. in this story yeah it's going through this one guy yeah and so how do we get here how how is that here's warehouse pageant more so now, I know you, know you guys talked about the HBO series on the Lakers, the one that just came out like yeah, a month yeah, or two yeah. ago, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I, the whole concept of winning time was new to me. I knew about magic, of course, and about the Lakers during the 80s, but the, the sideshow um, of all the glamour and the mm. building of the new <clears throat> stadium and everything. Mm. But like Jerry Buss was a complete degenerate. <laughs> um Many and respect. i <laughs> Many respect. Yeah. What a genius behaviorally like yeah. but oh, he would have yeah. been one of if he if we would have taken him oh, back 30 years been, like, he would have oh, been all of the spot with pierce yeah absolutely <laughs> he'd have been there absolutely. yeah he'd have been there absolutely and he would have had pierce he would have had pierce courtside and <laughs> pierce's girls right uh pierce's uh the people working for pierce would definitely have been at the at the at the uh the forum club at the forum club mm-hmm. without yeah. without question yeah peak scumbag without behavior question. though peak there was scumbag. I mean and for for every Pierce then there was there was probably fifty Pierces later yeah. you know in fact in fact in fact in the winning time there's a character I can't remember the guy's name who plays him but there's a character who it basically is Pierce Patrick he he meets Magic early on at the um, at the uh, the Fisher Save Pittsburgh party yeah, yeah, yeah. and and uh, they tell him don't call that guy and he's there he went. You know, so it's, I mean, Pierce is essentially a pimp. So, so that's not, I mean, so you all, you all, the purveyor, fine, purveyor. Of, of many, of many things. You mentioned something earlier, you mentioned something earlier about how clean and classy, you know, and so in, in that same vein in Los Angeles for all the clean and classiness, you know, of course, there, like at Lynn Bracken's house, mm-hmm. you know, it's still LA, so five minutes North, south, east, or west. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna go from acid to base. Yeah. <laughs> or base to acid. <laughs> you know, yeah. Zero to thirteen on yeah. this. Zero you, to thirteen. You walk a block or two yeah. anywhere in LA. And, you 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 gonna find the other landscape. The, the other side of the game. Yeah. yeah. Baidu. Twenty five years. Uh, Baidu was. Yeah. You gonna find the other side of the game. <laughs> I, that's another ninety seven. That's another thing in ninety seven. Right. Uh, you gonna find the other side of the game with that with that as well. So I. I yeah. You know, was Pierce was Pierce supposed to be gay? My take on it was that he was open. Yeah. But okay. like I think he was a man whose proclivities ran the gamut. Yeah. And yeah. I think in the movie that they kind of insinuated that, like you know, that yeah. he was an occasional heroin user and that mm. he maybe like a, a 1950s version of Prince, the drug piece aside, like he just was kind of he was heavily engaged in life mm-hmm. however it oh. showed up yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, and and i didn't know if drugs were like a if that was like a, a buzzword to explain uh whatever his proclivities are or were or, what, or whatever I, I it was really interesting how they talked about him mm-hmm. and 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 even the way that uh strathairn strathairn okay i never can say his name right david <laughs> strathairn or strathairn yeah. I, I can't remember i never know how to say his name but i love him. i'm a huge fan of his and Wait, who um, is this now uh, the, the, guy the, the guy who played Chris Patrick. Oh, okay, okay. David, mm-hmm. David Strathairn or Strathairn. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not and, and a lot of other films. And uh, good night and good luck. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, but in the firm, the way he the way he yeah. played it was so cool, yeah. but also knowing to play off. You mentioned weaknesses and people were playing off weaknesses. He knew how to read. He knew how to read 
anybody usually he was talking to and knew the, mm -hmm. knew what they were interested in, and yeah. then and then had means with which to supply the things yeah. that they wanted. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so no judgment, so, but none, none, here you go. None. None. Yeah. And so so um and he was a pioneer with the, with the surgery. Well. Even though his name was like hella, hella, hella waspy, his presentation was slightly ethnic, which made me think that maybe this was put on too. Yeah. Like his whole persona yeah. seemed a little bit made up. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. That's yeah. a great point. And, and great who's going to check? Who's going to check, right? Yeah. And in <laughs> Hollywood, that could happen, right? Like you literally yeah. come and invent yourself. Exactly. And he People seemed like that. that purpose, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. Just create a whole and new it, persona, right? And it worked out. Because you know his name was not Pierce Patchett. Yeah. Here's Morehouse Patchy. He he was like, what, what do these Brahmins name themselves? <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yes. Uh, I, before we close out, I definitely want to uh, touch on the music uh, for this mm -hmm. film because I think you know, especially for a period piece, and like I, I'm a big fan of that 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 flavor of music uh, in the '50s. Uh, not quite jazzy, but not quite like I don't know exactly how to classify it. Um, and especially in the montage scene, that that one particular song, the the woman's voice in singing that song, just really is kind of uh, very uh, haunting to me. That and that and I really enjoy the music in this film, from accentuate the positive during mm -hmm. the, the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, all the way through. I thought that the music was very and and to that point, the score was nominated. Uh, one of the other one of the nine other nominations, uh, and and de deservedly so. Yeah, it was. But, uh, was I, there I just, a breakout hit from this movie? I don't remember. No, there was not. No, okay. it was all pure. It was because there was no original. There was no original music in it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and nothing restarted or anything like that. Like accentuate the positive didn't rechart. Um, make making Whoopi was one of the songs there. But you know, she's just, just been in. Uh, that was just in. Um, gosh, what was that movie called? That was just in. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle. They just they just yeah. they did that in Sleepless in Seattle in that soundtrack. Which she right. none of y'all probably. Knew that soundtrack, but it's okay. Ricky Jones, Ricky Lee, a, Ricky Lee Jones. I'm in a but keep going. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. A, I'm in. A, I'm in a rom com phase. I, I watched uh, uh, Ben Harry and Sally over the weekend. You know, I'm, as well I'm, as well you should. Yeah, well you should. I'm. I'm, yes. I'm in that kind of phase. So I, I, I I'm with you, Joe. I, I, okay, you know. wonderful, but, wonderful to hear. <laughs> You're welcome. But welcome. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just think that the music, uh, you know, for again, they have to nail the music uh, in a period piece in a, in a mm -hmm. neo noir. And I thought it was it was very good uh, for 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 this film. Um, the the soundtrack and the score, uh, both were just really phenomenal. Um, so I wanted to make sure we mentioned that. Joe, what are your thoughts on the music overall? Did you? Oh, it was strong. It was it, they yeah. they knew what to do. It was the right it was the right songs. It, yeah. Definitely the right songs at the right time. And and they didn't. It wasn't overbearing. Um, and. Uh, I like the montages a lot. Uh, the, the music is doing the montages a lot. I mean, the, the editing was great, yeah. and the sound effects editing was great. Um, yeah. And so, I think technically, this, this film is superior. I, I, don't, mm -hmm. I mean, in every it's a beautiful movie. It is so in every way. I, I watched the Siskel and Ebert um, reaction their their review. Okay, and they were they were marveling at how beautiful they said they'd never seen the fifties look so beautiful on film. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because I was like, well, it's 1997. Like, like we've never been here before. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, but, right. but at the time, right? But, yeah. but to, to that point, I, I think um, the music was just another compliment of that. And, and Curtis Hansen and crew took their time to make just an outstanding film, yeah. uh, which probably wasn't easy to make. Yeah. Uh, and and, and it was something that um, 
Heather mentioned about the casting on paper and things that things that nature. I thought it was a bold choice. It's almost European uh, in in a sense, a bold choice to go like with no stars in Mm -hmm. a sense. Yeah. Yeah. For this film. And maybe that was one of the things that hurt it. Yeah. You know, at the time when it was, when it was, when it was, you know, uh, not, not nominations, you couldn't not acknowledge it, but when it's coming to winning time, um, because it's like, okay, well, I, I don't have, I have no, I have no feeling. I have no, I have no built up history with Guy Pierce. I have, mm-hmm. I have limited, limited history with, with the spacey guy. Uh, he was in this and that and the TV and the, you know, he's, he's never been this, you know, he was, I think he already won for usual suspects. So, yeah, so, yeah, so there, yeah. there's that. Well, it's still that. kind of niche, right? Like, I, was, oh, I don't definitely. remember Usual Suspects being like a blockbuster film, even it though not. it was well regarded. It's, it's a cult classic. It's a cult classic, yeah. a cult mm-hmm. classic later. Yeah. College kids, it's a cult classic later, but mm-hmm. not at the time. At the time, they were talking about, we were talking about everything else. Yeah. Everything else. Yeah. Uh, than him, right? So, yeah. I, and, and, and to be perfectly honest, I think really only people in Hollywood saw that movie at the time, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, so they decided, no, we're going to just, these are the guys we're going to have. Yeah, he's an Oscar winner, but. You know, okay, but Basinger was the Basinger's the rightfully so. She's the face on the on the. You know what I'm saying? And she was only in for like twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, it was twenty enough. But she was the face <laughs> on the on the poster. It's like half the poster is Kim. I mean, she has me wanting to get a hood. I'm like, I need man. <laughs> Walking the shop with that first scene, the entry that Bud has for and weird. Yeah, it's it's wow, like. <laughs> He's he's instantly drawn to her, with the the hood and 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 the gloves. You know what I mean? Who is this woman who's coming in and 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 making this order for drinks? And you know what I mean? Like she, man, she does. So this is me and my old lady thing. This is and this is not to like preach to the young woman who may watch this. But what this did bring up for me, looking at how they uh, the costume designers engaged elegance. And, and a lot of fabric. She was always fully covered. I think at the very last scene, she had on a sundress, mm-hmm. but in every other scene, she, like you could see her hands and her face. Yeah, yeah. But there's no sexier, no more alluring depiction of womanhood than in that era than what you saw her doing in that movie. And I'm like, these girls now, like they have on, you know, some pasties and a G-string and that's too much yeah, yeah. trying to do the most. I'm like, you can put it all back on. And you're still going to be able to like capture that attention. Like she straight up had her entire head covered and only her face peeking out. And he was still like, <laughs> you know, right, right, <laughs> so. right, 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 right. You know, it's crazy you say that because literally he couldn't, it was a black uh, velvet cape. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, you could, there was nothing, and you couldn't see anything other than mm-hmm. the intrigue of a person yeah. who, a you know, it's, it's, yeah, but it's, it's too, it's weird because I, I always get a little, scared uh-huh. I, I, it, when i watch these things and it's like a period thing and it's like maybe too quiet in a store or too quiet in the in the in the, in the liquor store or whatever too and her mm-hmm. cape just kind of seems sorcery like I, I i don't know it kind of seemed witchy <laughs> she cast or, a spell yeah. she did i put a spell on you yeah. right uh but but to me the first time you when you see her in that thing I'm like oh gosh i remember seeing the commercials i remember the commercials and I thought it was like some supernatural. Like, what is this movie about? Uh, okay, I can see that. Yeah, you know, yeah, because you yeah. see her with the cape. I'm like, why yeah. is she wearing a cape? And then out by the out by the time I think it's down when she's outside. I think it's down when she's outside saying, 
it's not what you think, like, but thanks for caring or whatever she mm-hmm. says yeah. outside when he's got buzz on the back of the, you know, on the back of the car and he's ripping, <laughs> ripping his, ripping his Effing pants. And, yeah. Yeah. And all that. <laughs> it, it, but, but to your point, she, she was smoldering. Yeah. Yeah. And she Smoldered didn't need, she didn't need anything. She didn't need anything else. And, and, and yeah, look at, look at this. Though. She, she's, Whatever age she was, I think she was. She just had her baby. She had Alec Baldwin just had a baby. Mm-hmm. She looked forty three, forty four then. Yeah, but I think they just had Ireland or or, Ireland, Ireland, or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I think they just had. She just had the baby. The one who was um, cussing out. Well, the one who's married. Did he had a little pig. And then he cussed her out on the phone mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Called her, no, yeah. Called like her the baby. Eight or nine yeah, years. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, these children try you. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look out! Don't understand. <laughs> Right. I just want you to know that. Uh, just real quick, that's right. But, but 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 I just don't call them that. But they'll try. Uh, but she just had the baby, and then she did the. She I remember reading about that, and then she 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 postpartum. She did she did the role, and I could give you getting the timeline off a little bit. But then you have Helen Hunt, who was near forty at the time, who won Best Actress as well. It was actually kind of a landmark year um, for older. Older for older, comparatively, right? Actresses, <laughs> actresses for that, that were that were up for these yeah, big Jane, awards. I don't, Judy Dench was up, and well, mm. she, she could read a phone book and, and be you know be not she's a dame sure. and, and be nominated. But I, but I'm saying, but these were the wins, yeah. You know, and in a year that was supposed to be Kate Winslet's year, I think Kate Winslet was nominated, wasn't she? Yes. Yeah, uh, okay, whatever. And she was what twenty two, twenty three then. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and and was it nearly the actress that she was 10 years later? I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 you, know, you know what I'm saying? Because baby girl has grown. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's exponentially. She's hers. Mm-hmm. Ex- exponentially. Yeah. Right. And so so I, I'm saying all that to say it's like, OK, now these are where the chops are. Like these yeah. people are these, these, these not to say she didn't do great, you know, whatever. But yeah. but these were the actors. <laughs> okay, yeah. like, yeah. like And and it was really was cool. It's something you, when you mentioned it, Heather, I, I didn't think about that dimension about just what was what was uh sexy or endearing or what was something that, that you mesmerizing and you said she only was on there 20 minutes and if you think about it she keep, she has the style of the day what does she look like at the end who does she look like at the end of the movie do you remember sure her hair, her hair is, haircut she just cut her hair she's maryland She's married. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally with, see with that. With the glasses, mm-hmm. with the, the hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, She's married. That's a good point. That's, yeah. a, that's a great point. You know, at the end of the movie, like, like, okay, I'm leaving this. We're going to Busby. But I, I got to be me, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going yeah. back later, to Mormonville, but I'm a still stunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stunt. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I, I got to be me. And she's, she's Maryland by the end. So it's like yeah. still within her yeah. to mm-hmm. look like whomever the starlet of the moment you know, is, mm-hmm. which is kind of, which to me is kind of interesting. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting too um, about that. And she pulled it off and effortless, just effortlessly. Mm-hmm. And, and, Beautiful. and it, the, the cool thing is they can play it at the LA city hall, which is the exact same LA city hall it is today. Right. And, and, and they're walking down the exact same steps. Yeah. To, to, <laughs> you to your earlier point about LA having places that downtown LA exact same. for life, yeah. for life. Uh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. So anything else, Killer? No, I got one more thing. All right, please. Dudley please. was a sizest. And I did not see this he the was, first 15 times. But in the la- this viewing, I was like, he hated, he he brought he up 
the size and the physical fitness reports yeah. as failed the is, merits. Failed, yes. Failed, <laughs> Nothing uh, else. Fitness, Not they fitness. stole. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. nope. <laughs> That's why he talked I about didn't... buzz. He talked about yeah. buzz and dick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 That's true. That's true. That's crazy. Dudley was... That's absolutely crazy. I didn't even notice it, but that was his, that was like his little quirk. He was, a, he was he was pathological. <laughs> oh, he had problems. <laughs> he had a lot. Of that's, that's he had a lot of problems. That's why I got that man I, at his I, house in his kitchen. Yeah, yeah. And after, after the after coffee, the coffee. Right, can, like, can he at least drink the coffee? He's like, can you get him one good memory, right? <laughs> and got him. Got him. You know. You know who also did? You remember when, uh, in, in the Untouchables, Connery did something similar, but he wasn't serving anyone. He knew the guy was in his house. Right, right, right. He was playing his, yeah, he's playing his, his, uh, his, um, uh, his record player. He was, spinning, yeah. he was uh, um, winding his record player. Gramophone. His turned, gramophone. Yeah, his gramophone. And he uh -huh. turned around with the with the shotgun. Yeah, the solid and, shotgun. Yeah, yeah and, and, he, and he told him to get out. And then he was stood out there. And they, that's when they lit him up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's when Nitty lit him up. Yeah, Nitty lit him up. But it wasn't quite as, it wasn't quite like in his own kitchen. <laughs> and then took him to Echo Park. Like, we don't know how right. he got here. <laughs> it appears he's been moved. Right. Yeah, it appears he's been moved. Yes, like that, the corruption. Good Lord. What a great yes. film. What a great film. Uh, Absolutely. You know, uh, that was a hell of a movie year, man. A lot of movies in, in the Pantheon. Uh, but this one stands out heads and shoulders above, uh, you know, to our earlier point, you know, I mean, Titanic got the, the awards, but in our hearts and minds, uh, this is the <laughs> And they do go on. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Heather, we got to have you back. Uh, I'd love to come back. This yeah. has been so much fun. Thank you, Heather. We have to Thank have you. you back on the show. You've been amazing uh, and, and uh, certainly have brought a certain with the French call, I don't know what. <laughs> 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 Uh, no, you, you're incredible. Uh, lived up to everything I thought this was going to be. So we Thank certainly you. will have you back on another uh, episode in some time in the future. Uh, Thank you, gentlemen. It's been my my pleasure. And, and so Thank to you. that point for the future, uh, I think me and Joe we we had Joe left me a little voicemail. It was an interesting voicemail, and uh, uh, we got some ideas. Oh yeah, you didn't respond, Pally. But uh, but I, uh, I, didn't think I was waiting first. for this very moment. Uh, That's good. We, That's we got some ideas. <laughs> we got some ideas to. That we're gonna uh, mull over and uh, we're gonna do some things because uh, our favorite. It's a great episode... song actually by by Blues Traveler. I'm letting oh, yeah. but yeah, it's not yeah, important. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to Ethiopia in two months, right? So, I'm so... so... Lord, have mercy. Like, Congratulations. Right. <laughs> the cradle of civilization. The cradle yes. of civilization. Yes. <laughs> Addis Ababa. <laughs> you know they have this huge. Uh, they have this huge. Uh, Pan-African Film Festival in Ouagadou, yeah. Burkina Faso every year, called Fes yeah. every other year, Fespaco. Uh -huh. um, so I'm looking forward to that. I, have, uh, I used to live in Burkina. I was in Peace Corps in Burkina, but never got to go to do like cultural things because I was out in the village. So yeah. looking forward to, to seeing some of these continental films and <laughs> adding that to the mix. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. Continue Thank curating, you. Curating Welcome. that life perfectly. With yes. Movies. These elements, <laughs> I love it. I love it. All so of them. Un wow. Until the next time we see you guys, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we, I got commitment issues. I, I can't. Joe, Joe is a very committed guy. I, I got commitment issues, so I can't, I can't commit to the next time you will see us. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you will see us again. <laughs> I'll be in thirty-eight. I'm in thirty-eight next week. Uh, so I, I, 
I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, we'll see, talk about that. Hey, I'm in yeah, third, I'm on family yeah. vacation next week. I'll put it on me. So you know, hey, oh, but... <laughs> cool. We should do it from Morehouse on the Vineyard in August. Ah, oh, that would be so. There weird. you go. That would be very nice. That yeah. Be, now you're talking. This is drinks on me. Look, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Say less. Yeah. Just the one. Less. The first one. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. So, that's fine. So, ladies and gentlemen, until the very next time, we are the Open Tabs Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on uh, Anchor FM. You can find us on YouTube, and you can see the beautiful Heather Joy Thompson. You should, you should just go to YouTube just so you can, you know, she breaks up the monotony between me and Joe. You know, praise God. We had to create some some uh, thumbnails. So people didn't, you know, because Joe, you know, Joe and I kept popping up on those thumbnails. And, 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 <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, uh, we really do appreciate everybody that, that listens to us, uh, that that gives us feedback. That uh, you know, uh, shout out to Reese uh, in the Surly Report. Uh, we, you know, I love Reese. Yeah, shout out, oh, stand up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm we perfect. appreciate you guys. Uh, subscribe, like, all that good stuff. And until next time, we will see you. Peace. Thank you. Take care.